0: BLOB TALK RADIO Yeah! It's Brick! What up, oh, Red well. Pill? Blue Pill? Southern? No, the radio Tuesdays and Fridays, Let's go! I present you red and blue pill and prescribe you to take them both. Infect these microphones from the virus, I need a host. I need know the legend, host. don't cross it, cause you might overdose. Release those yeah. toxins from your conscience. Play the beat through of this for my folks. The originators, atmospheric pressure raising. Thoughts to be constantly in orbit, till my is out of space. Cosmos, astrological, a star right in your face. Didn't plan it like Pluto, melanated, the greatest race. From niggas to gods, it's literally just a human display. Walking immortal, live forever through these songs I make. Ribbentologist, what? discover this very deep inside this continent okay. they had to pass many courses at their local colleges to study what this not a hit futuristic shit 2125, and when that time exists they will rely who the messiah is brick the foundation with that fire spit it's telling yoga flames I'm on my street fighter shit I swear I wish my ancestors they ain't find this shit transatlantic travel maiden in voyage from their cargo pick to pick cotton and sugar cane and then refining it trying to restore our dominance black power and this motherfucker better know black it the truth, they tell me give them more wish. These black laws, yeah, you better know it better I'm know less it. of a rapper, more of a poet This my open, maintain focus As We enter through the pillars of villain Truth revealing, Tuesdays and Fridays Live so you can feel it Oppressed pray every day, to hear me kill it uh, More than just an uh, intro This was how I'm feeling, we just left the scenes Conference and we, we ain't finished, finished building. building The sky is the limit, we, we just, just crashed through the ceiling To the energy of the crystal speak spiritually a symphony Charged by the elements for many centuries Live bases for our ancestors, keep it spillin' beat. We evoking the spirits to guard us from our enemies. I shake, I create, and I display what I made. Give it straight to the people, feel the power in waves, black fists in the sky, but this ain't hip-hop array. Putting pressure on these culture votes watching decay. It's time to take back what's all the monumental display. King's County, only royalty around me. Come on. i From 9 to 11, we do it in the dark. Like we used to do it in the park for the most part. For the very second that the show starts, you witness it composed off, Think goes off. Huh? The love received so far has been so hard. There's a few dudes that run, but they would do the they shot. Then they so soft, don't be thrown off, then he's long. Avoid them at all costs Like raccoons or skunks But back to the regular schedule program The program is sponsored by 7 Heaven What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven At 11, 11 Emerge out the other end Of the meditation portals tools And elevated walk tools Even some of tools any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. For everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are! They are! <laughs> Peace to you and yours, peace to you and yours. This is Know The Ledge Radio, and you are now
1: rocking with the best. Yes, indeed, this is your host, Brother Blue Pill, reporting live and direct. Very soon to be joined by my co-host, Brother Red Pill. Welcome back to another episode of KTL Radio. All right? We have another special, epic presentation that we have put together to present to you this particular evening. Okay, so we will soon get the show underway by bringing forth tonight's guest, Brother City Hampton. Okay, of course, before we do that, we have some very brief announcements that we need to make. First and foremost, to the family out west, that time is quickly approaching, okay, and we are going to be west coasting in a second about. A week or so away In LA "Turn of the Gods The epic Return of the Gods Part 2 will be returning To Los Angeles Pomona in particular Uh, Shout out Sister Kataria Who's putting together This monumental event Alongside with Sister Eleanor Alright, shout out to all of the participants. We definitely have a show in the archive that we did about two weeks ago where we had uh many people that would be participating in this monumental event. They came through and they just gave you a sample of their genius. There's definitely going to be some divine, high power beings in the building on this particular day. It's an entire weekend matter of fact, but It officially jumps off on Saturday, July 2nd. It's the Real Family Reunion, Return of the Gods. This is going to be in Port Furman Park in San Pedro, California. All right? And as you know, or if you may not know, the honorary guest for this particular event is going to be Reverend Dr. Phil Valentine. All right? And Reverend Michael Beckwith will be in the building. Okay? You're going to have the brother that we pretty much have known all of our lives as a comedian, as a funny man, the brother Flex Alexander. He got something to say. He'll be in the building, okay? You're going to have um, the Herb Alchemist. You're going to have Ross G., you feel me? And many more that also are going to be appearances by... Golden Nubian, Grasshopper, Tiffany Janae, Kerry Damani, Kashani Kwali Jones, Pindu, Red Pill, Blue Pill, we will be in the building. All right, y'all? And then the following day, as if that wasn't enough, you know what I'm saying, they're going to shake the grid up a little bit more and bring you part two, what we have in store for this weekend. This is going to be the Master and enchanting evenings of metaphysics with Master Comedic Dr. Phil Valentine and special guests. Okay, so this is going to be at the African American Museum of Beginnings, and this is in Pomona, California, on East Holt Avenue. All right, you want to purchase tickets over at Eventbrite.com, and the search word you should be using is Comedic. The website for this event is T A A M B dot O-R-G. repeat it. T as in Tom, Apple, Apple, man, billionaire, dot org. Do not miss this one. This is going to be epic family. All right. And the next day, we're going to be in L.A. on Normandy at Blessed Love with Ross Bob and his beautiful wife, Kimberly. All right. So I think it's Me and Red, Irritated Jeannie, and the Reverend Dr. Phil Valentine, we're going to be in South Central, come through to see the family, okay? So this is a jam-packed weekend in Los Angeles, all right, for the West Coast family. There's definitely going to be enough events spread out for you to get into something that particular weekend. So we look forward to seeing you out West, all right? Um, I know we have a few other days lined up in July, going to be in Dallas, uh, Connecticut in August, right. a few other spots. I'm going to let Red uh, fill that slot in when he eventually calls in. Also, the latest video that we did was Sign at the TV. That's available right now on Black News 102. i got an exclusive interview. The originator hater himself, Star from Star and Buckwild. All right, so this is definitely an interview that you don't want to miss. You feel me? The brother had a lot to say. Um, As always, we, we, we think we know somebody until we actually venture out and have a conversation with them, you know, and then you start becoming exposed to different layers of this person and, you know, the, the the brother star, for the most part, as a child, when I'm reading different magazines and, and, you know, the source magazine to us was like the New York Times, feel me? Like, there was just no missing a issue with the source, not if you was part of the culture to that extent. And one of the main things that stood out from the source, because the source wasn't always a short shot, sometimes they had major misses, you know what I'm saying? but one thing that you could guarantee is that the section with Starbuck Wild was going to be hilarious. You feel me? And then the brother took it to radio, and he was on Hot 97, and he had a very popular show in the morning time, Shrouded, and a lot of controversy, of course. We know about the things that are normally attached to Star's name when we talk about his, uh, his radio history, but outside of that, beside that, this brother was definitely monumental in laying a foundation for a legendary aspect of talk radio that we now see has blossomed into, you know, a, a very healthy platform on both sides of the fence. So you've got right-wing talk radio. You know, these are the people that drive their culture. These are the people that are voice boxes. These are the people that make multiple millions a year from being on the radio. You know what I'm saying? You got your Howard Sterns, like, star proceeded. He proceeded all of these dudes and laid foundations for what it really means to be on the radio unfiltered. You know what I'm saying? Like, not giving a fuck, not having no alliances and being an, an, object, an objective hater. You feel me? Or an, object, an objective voice at a time when industry kind of like muffled out the independent motherfucking voice you know what I'm saying, you had to read by the script or you will be uninvited to certain events. They have a lot of different ways that they could counter somebody's freedom of speech in these industries. And we saw him go against that, even up to this year, where he was able to break a story that no other media outlet would touch, you know what I'm saying, for cultural and political reasons. And he helmed this particular, quote-unquote, age of discovery, utilizing the tools made available by way of social media, you know, in the age of the internet. So I think that it was a, a very good interview. I recommend that you go and check it out, see what you could draw from it. You know what I'm saying? You know, if nothing else, I'm in the South, and what you understand about the South is that, uh, you know, nobody has to have a plaque of consciousness when they're walking around. Nobody got to have a T-shirt, you know what I'm saying? You're going to get motherfucking... Some some bona fide wisdom from granny And she could have been in church For 88 years You feel me She could have had you know Whatever like a pork sandwich just yesterday But she could give you that Southern wit she could give you that wisdom They could give you what's called life lessons You could get that from The dude at the corner store With the 40 I mean with the You know with the uh, The motherfucker 22 ounce You know what I'm saying like he got it you know, it's something that's not necessarily general, but it's something that's easily delivered once you tap into the aspect that, you know, at the end of the day, that's you. So why even fall for the illusion of seeing separation? You know what I'm saying? If you really look at how it's supposed to be, if you see it clearly, that's just another aspect of self. So I think that's a perfect segue into tonight's episode, which is the science of self-divinity Featuring our brother, City Hampton. So, join us tonight as we welcome City Hampton to the program to discuss the science of self divinity. What is the science to becoming the Christ that you seek, or the science of self divinity? Did God create man, or did man need to create God? All right. So, you here, family, live and direct. You are rocking with the best KTL Radio. We present to you tonight's guest, our brother calling in from the 516-516-205. Peace to you and yours. Welcome to Know the Less Radio. Peace, bro. How you feeling? You hear me? Peace, God.
2: Peace, bro. How you feeling?
1: Peace, Lord. All is well, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in a divine mind state. What's good likewise, with you?
2: Likewise, likewise. Likewise, man. I just came out of meditation. Like, just now, I was doing, like, some meditation, like, some lower chakra meditation. Before that, I took
1: okay.
2: a bath with some eucalyptus leaves <laughs> with some, uh, I took a spirit bath, you know what I mean? With some quartz crystals, some lavender oil. You understand what I'm saying? Like, just really doing, like, a whole bunch of, like, inner work right now, man. Just getting it in, uh, doing some work with the org field. Um, they're studying a lot. Been studying a lot In regards to the ancient um, Ancient traditions And how to awaken like Your divinity You know what I mean Your divinity Your energetic And your multi-dimensional body Is what I've been studying So I appreciate this opportunity To have the You know The ability to build with y'all Because Now I've been listening to this platform For quite some time And um, you know To be able to have To be now be featured on the platform That features some of the features That really helped me awaken Such as You know Such as Baba Such as Phil Valentine Such as Um the masterful A.A. A. Rashid, um, such as a couple other you know different other like masterful features that I've seen featured on this platform It's humbling and um you know I just want to be able to you know contribute to the awakening of other people as well you understand what I'm saying so this is right on my alley the science of self divinity um because to me this ultimately flows specifically um into the dynamics to teach people how to access. Um, a new level of awakening that I refer to as metaphysical psychology or indigenous or african based metaphysical psychology um, teaches people how to heal the nature of their mind, how to heal the mind by accessing um, their consciousness, really going inside of the nature of their of, of the consciousness and understanding the different layers of the consciousness um, and by doing that, really knowing who you are, you know what I mean like really knowing yourself not. Uh, just knowing your history and knowing the 26th dynasties of Kemet and knowing uh, how long uh, uh, the, the Sphinx or Hebrew and has been there or Horomachus uh, Horo has been there or uh, the science of the Illuminati or political agendas, you know, like all that external stuff. Some of it is good. Some of it is not necessarily so good, but the primary thing we really want to focus on is teach people how to really unlock the potentiality of their own division. And um, I give homage to to Blue and Red and this platform, and not another ledge radio for the opportunity to be able to disseminate this information. Thank you, family.
1: Indeed. Uh, I definitely feel that the honor of ours. We've been following the narrative for a minute. And it's definitely one that not only is but I want to definitely give you the opportunity to share at with the narrative the world, You know, mm-hmm.
3: because.
2: That back and My bad family line. The phone is kind of It's, it's kind of choppy I feel like a uh, Kind of muffled I, I can't really hear you i
1: give you one second Okay no problem
4: Peace
1: you there? Yeah
2: i give, uh, yeah, I get you now
1: yeah, I tried to try to utilize the Bluetooth. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> I got a room full of family that's tuning in as well. Okay. So, you know, for the most part, um, I just want you to give the people a, a brief history of, of who you are and okay. where exactly, you know what I'm saying, Are you? did you come from? Who is City Hampton? Yeah,
2: because I know, like, I've been a uh... I've been kind of active um, on the teaching circuit for the past couple of months. I've kind of seen, every time I pop up around Sa si or Richie, like oh, this guy's a phantom. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like pretty much. My name is City Hampton. I'm from. I'm originally from Long Island, New York. You know I me. Mean? Uh, we refer to it as Lords Island. Um, that's where I'm from. Um, originally, I'm a musician, I'm an artist. Um, but you know, African spirituality has always been very, very prevalent in my life. Uh, my father, um, he was a root man, you know what I mean? He was a root worker. My Uncle George, he was a shaman. My great-grandfather, Oscar, he was a shaman. My grandfather, Joe, was a shaman. So it runs in my blood, specifically on my family side. And um, for as long, for as little, I could like possibly remember my dad always just giving me the game. He was giving me these books to read, you understand what I'm saying, about like, spirituality, about religion, Um, He never would, like, really force anything on me in regards to knowing the sacred arts. He would just tell me how certain things work in regards to the sacred arts. Um, And me and him kind of, like, we kind of took, you know, separate paths or whatever because him and my mother had got divorced. Um, And um, around that time, I was really with my mom a lot, and I was really just focused specifically on music, uh, breaking into the music industry, being a producer. I was in a group um, specifically out of Long Island called M-State, we um, recorded by a couple record deals, things of that nature. I did like you know a slight foray in regards to working with the music industry, and then um I got really tired of it because I really ran I really realized that it was ran by like you know really street niggas looking looking for ways to launder and clean their money, um, Jews and homosexuals, and I really realized it because me particularly like it was just the industry that I really ain't want to work with, um, and I just decided to kind of like. Um, try to take different routes in regards to what I could possibly do to be able to showcase what I wanted to do as a musician. So I built a company called the High Society Dropouts with, with three other individuals, is a media company and the music company. I released the album in 2013 with The traveler mind in city Hampton. Um, a little bit of fanfare in regards to the underground music community. Uh, went on tour, um, came off of the tour. Then, like, um, in the process of all of that, sort of going through, like, these real, real big spiritual experiences, um, I had been studying this since I was about twelve years old. Um and I really wasn't doing a lot of work in regards to internalizing the particular processes of indigenous of, spirituality, but I had been studying it very ardently. Um, and one day my father called me when I turned twenty five. I, um, I just turned thirty in February. He called me when I turned twenty five and he said the spirits that you've been running away from are about to um reveal themselves to you again. And I was like, All right, this old man's crazy, whatever. So, um, all of a sudden, it just started happening. Um, I started asking questions like, who are my astral parents, things of that nature, what meeting people, people who I didn't even tell anything about what I was asking, they would just reveal certain things your astral parents, this person, um, you are this person in the astral realm, so on and so forth. Um, and I went through a very, very traumatic time in regards to, like, you know, going to certain things, meeting up with karmic mates, soul mates, a whole bunch of shit. And... It all climaxed specifically um, about three to four years ago with, um, with a suicide attempt. And in the process of almost committed suicide, I had a particular interface with a certain Arisha named Yemon um, who kind of came through and told me what my purpose was. Said it sounds a little bit crazy, but that's really what happened. Um, told me what my purpose was, what I had to do outside of being a musician. Told me that I, I had made a decision when I came to the physical realm to teach people and um I didn't know what she was talking about. I didn't know what was going on with that. But that's exactly what the said. Um then I found my way to uh South African village in South in uh South Carolina called Oyatunji. And uh, got a reading, uh ancestors told me what I needed to do, came back home and I just started getting to work, started building altars trying different things. Uh, I was in meditation, chanting for about six to eight hours over the course of the day, spending my last little bit of money on offerings, um, experimenting with different mudras, mantras, spiritual baths, um, started channeling different entities, started speaking to ancestors, um, started speaking to uh, aspects of the universal mind that we call gods and goddesses in our ignorance, comprised with, with all of the studies that I had already had since I was about 12 years old. It really just started coming back, To a a point where it started coming full circle And um, I was going back and forth with them Like I don't really want to teach Like I'm not really interested in teaching And my ancestors just kept telling me Like you know You made a decision that you could do so You promised us that that's what you could do So I just started You know I just said fuck it I'll just do it And um, what I really teach specifically Is the science of alchemy, The science of of healing yourself from the inside out Of transforming your soul from the inside out and how I teach it is I ultimately really blend the particular aspects of a perennial philosophy that um, showcases the influence of indigenous ancient African spiritual traditions and how those indigenous African spiritual traditions created the basis of the Dharmic-based philosophy. These Dharma based philosophies span into areas of India, um, from India to China to Southeast Asia and the areas of the Malay Peninsula that we know as Thailand, Cambodia, that created the basis of the Khmer Empire also went through the areas where we consider to be Tibet that was popula- uh, uh, populated by a particular set of, uh, of dark-skinned Africans referred to as the Grillos by the Greeks or the Latins. Um, their particular the name of the tribe is for the, Ty- um, uh, the Tyron people. The, the Tyron people there's less than, there's less than 200 people um, there's less than 200 people in the Tyron tribe that were in the area of Tibet prior before um, prior before the uh, the creation of the bone traditions and the influx of ages in that area that began to be taught uh, Buddhist traditions by a particular teacher by the name of Pramas Um there were those people who were originally inhabited those areas the dark skinned cheeky haired people they were part of a, uh, of a certain uh, class of class people um, that the Greeks or the Lat- or, uh, Latin or Portuguese qu- uh, uh, conquistadors refer to as the Semang people, the Lenore people, um, the uh, Jacun people. Um, these are the original uh, Negritos, or the people who pop up the area of southern- uh, Southeast uh, Asia, who went into areas of India, went into areas of China, Tibet, and so on and so forth that took the traditions of people specifically out of the area of Northeastern Africa with them. So what I do is I teach a particular perennial philosophy that combines all of these different systems together, from the ancient comedic system, uh, what is referred to as the Pasudum Hakundam or the Shatrat, the Chair, according to Sigma to Ashpi. The Indus, Kush Valley tradition that is known as uh, Tantric Hinduism, not Vedic Hinduism, but Dravidian folk religion, I teach that as well. I also teach a particular system that is also referred to as the Vajrayana, which is the Esoteric tradition of Esoteric Buddhism. And I comprise a particular perennial philosophy that showcases how these systems focus on how to break out the cycle of life, death, and reincarnation. And by uh, utilizing these systems and the particular spiritual practices that these, te- that these teachings uh, teach, you can hear your mind, your subconscious psyche, as well as your uh, conscious mind, and prepare yourself to have a proper interface with the dimensional body. And your multidimensional body runs specifically through nine different layers. And in this multidimensional body, if you are able to align them, you can begin the process of being able to actually access the true uh, the true nature of your immortality and your own divinity.
1: Indeed, God. Uh, and in these different um, these nine different bodies, is this a situation where this understanding comes online all at once, or are we talking about going through phases? Phases. Or, or initiation processes as well?
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: Through the different roles, layers, and levels? hmm definitely.
3: Um, and, and is there uh,
1: thing for self-initiation? Like, let's talk about the level of unconscious initiation. Like, let's take, for an example, a situation where you might be in the street there's a situation that approaches you that forces you to make a life decision. And in that life decision, you bring yourself to a closer understanding of exactly who you are and what you're capable of. Even if you don't have the particular verbiage to express it in a way that's coinciding with what a text might have said, this is how it should be done.
2: Right, Bruce. Yo, what you what you saying right now was exactly what the ancients taught us. The ancients taught us that when you come into the physical realm, you have a cap in your brain. I mean, you have a cap on. You know, you have a cap on this physical shell. That the is refer to as the, the cortex or the os, or the off. The word os in the nation means flesh. The word cot or cat means body. Now, your brain is this cap on your cat. And you are born into a world of ignorance. And in this ignorance, the number one thing that you uh, have to realize is that ignorance becomes your teacher. And you have two different aspects of, of how, ignorant will teach, how ignorance will teach you through observation and through experience. And it's really about going to the physical realm and finding and experiencing these different cataclysms, these different mistakes. These different mistakes act as a catalyst for you to realize yourself through a constant realization. And what it does is that every particular mistake or mishap tests the validity of your own soul. It tests the validity of your heart. So, if, you know, you got, you know, if you got, you got, you know, one of the young lords or one of the young gods out on the street, you see what I'm saying, and they rap, you know, they bank a particular set, you know, maybe blood, clip, the um, whoever, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying the big homie, give him the ratchet. Say, yo, go put this work in. You know what I mean? In that moment right there is a moment that could create a mishap or a mistake that ultimately introduced you specifically to your soul. Or the fact that you don't want to go through that mistake or create that mishap for you creates the level of validity that. Or creates or not necessarily creates it, but introduces you to the to, to the validity that's already in your heart. In the physical realm, in your heart, your heart operates as this intuitive barometer that's going to check you, or your ignorance is going to push over the guidance of what your heart has, to, uh, uh, what your heart is trying to teach you. So, if you create that mistake, you're always going to have to. Uh, find a way to begin the process of activating the template of self-healing. In that self-healing, it teaches you how to access the nature of that divine sense of your immortality. And the particular teachings of the Dharma-based philosophy, that we understand to be Buddhism, Jainism, um, Hinduism, uh, the ancient kinetic system of the shiitata chair, which means the path of the sacred divinity to the path of the sacred light, which is uh, something that Baba filled with called the ancient teachings, you would say that it was the path of the sacred divinity, the path of the sacred light. The sacred light is that is that that spark of immortality that exists within you, and it's waiting for you to know it. But it has to create these different experiences. It has to create these experiences through your ignorance to introduce yourself to you, because other than that, you're not going to be worried about it. You're just going to be, you know, you're going to be one of these young dudes doing whatever, you understand what I'm saying? Tristan me and the Phantom, just <laughs> trying to get turned, you know what I mean? So the whole thing about it is the fact that you understand these things and you understand that your life is really just about emphasizing metaphysical principles in real time. The time and space continue will op- operate as a teacher. It operates as a teacher. Earth is a city in the universe. Earth is a city in the universe, it's a university, the university, okay. And observation and experience and observation and experience becomes your teacher. Now, some individuals are going to be smart enough to learn through observation, and other individuals are going to be brave or stupid enough to go through the experience. Either way, it's about reminding you of about it's about reminding you about your uh, it's about reminding you of your immortality. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about reminding you of your immortality. When you come to faith, when you come face to face with that immortality, it teaches you how to interface with these nine dimensional layers of yourself, with these multi-dimensional aspects of yourself that the camera said was split into nine different lenses. Nine different lenses that you can see yourself participating in this holographic reality from.
1: Peace, Lord. Peace, Lord you flowing. I'm in class, man. I'm taking notes. The court is getting crowded. We could take a poem to erase it and shit, but
3: okay, I need gosh. you to oh, keep bye.
1: taking it oh, in the school. We're in the university, you. like you said. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? This is a classroom in the university. So you're definitely painting that picture. But, um, I, you know, I, I'm definitely following the logic that you are uh, utilizing in regards to explaining this by way of, like you said, observation and experience. You know what I'm saying? That's an ill narrative right there, and that's exactly what happens. You know? Through experience, you know what I'm saying, is, is, is rooting the flesh, and you're going deeper into the contract. You know what I mean? With, with, you know, because the whole trick is to be contracted, or like we was talking about on Tuesday show with the credit, you know what I'm saying? Are you going to file an affidavit and change from a debtor to a creditor and take control of the narrative by becoming the author? Right. So, and, 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 and the way that you author that reality is coming to the overstanding that you are one. All right. is one. That's right. immortality.
2: Right. That's a fact. That's a fact. You're saying mm-hmm. it's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, there's one thing I, I want to be able to specify right now because... Right now, we got this whole shit with this, uh, how, the way that people look at uh, ancient Kemetic uh, philosophy or ancient Kemetic spirituality. Um, in my humble opinion, I've had the opportunity to deal with a good amount of teachers specifically out of the community in a short period of time as well as watching them. And as much as I give homage to them based off of like, the information that they've been able to introduce specifically from a historical context, a geographical context, all of those different things, one of the things that we have to be able to showcase specifically is the spiritual nature of the Kermites. And we really have to understand that. That's very, 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 like, important. The spiritual nature of the Kermites and the spiritual nature of the African mind in general, the spiritual nature of the indigenous mind in general, okay? Um, what I want to do is I kind of, like, want to be able to kind of give, like, a, a, a somewhat of a, like, you know, a background that that explains that ancient Comedic thought um, it just has been have like been assimilated into all these different schools and traditions going back um from India to, to Tibet, um uh, to Greece to Rome, all of these different things. Now the interesting thing about it from a historical perspective is that um we've been talking about the um trying to think here. Let me uh find out the point where I wanna start from. Okay. When you're talking about ancient civilization, right, what I've come to realize specifically in my research is that you have three primary civilizations of the old world. You have Africa, continental Africa. You have what is also referred to as the Indus Kush. You also have what is also referred to as as, uh, Mesopotamia and Sumeria. Now, the interesting thing about all of these different things is that these particular systems or these particular civilizations, if you will, created systems of spiritual tradition that, create, that explain the creation of the universe, that ultimately uh, explain the creation of man, through the dynamic of utilizing mythos and myths. Also, they explain the nature of how the human body ultimately works and they explain the nature of the human being specifically living and participating in this third-dimensional confines of existence. Now, the interesting thing about all of this is that you will be able to find these stark similarities, and these stark similarities really uh, really um, has these connected principles based off of two dynamic things that you will always find in every indigenous civilization from out of continental Africa, all the way into India, and all the way into Mesopotamia. And the two things that you will always find is the deification of the snake and the deification of the feminine, the deification of the snake and the deification of the woman. You will always find these two prominent principles in these three civilizations of the old world. Now, the reason why these three principles are always active is because they had a decisive understanding what the snake represented. From a, a spiritual perspective, the snake, Baba Eugene Adams talks about this in um, his documentary called uh, Let the Stone It." that chronicles teachings of Sambo, which is said to be the fifth Buddha, who is also referred to as Maitreya. He says that the snake, according to Buddhist traditions, represents transformation and it represents uh, the soul never dying, okay? It also represents the particular basis of the sine wave, the sine wave in, uh, in creation that emanates vibration. Vibration is one of the primarily most ancient languages of the universal mind. According to ancient Kemetic traditions, they say that when Ra conjoined with himself and with himself, right, and, um, and ejaculated to create or finish the, uh, to finish the creation of the physical realm, and one of his particular uh, manifestations that is referred to as tum, which means the finisher, out of the word "ku," ku, H-U, okay? In Sanskrit, the uh, the creation would be om. The sound that emanates all creation would be om. So in the mythos where Shiva ejaculates and creates what is referred to as the Bindu seed, the sound that he would make would be om or the creation myth of Brahma created in the physical world would be O, oh, that vibration sound. The um, basis of all of this, of what we're talking about here, is that inside of your multi-dimensional body, you have a particular uh, aspect of the multi-dimensional body according to ancient comedic tradition that is referred to as the Aku, okay, which is, it means the shining one, all right? There's an excellent book that you can find specifically online, if you can't find it, that explains the nine different lenses of the multi-dimensional body. It's called The Nine Eyes of Light, okay? When I bought it, the shit was like $25. Now the shit is uh, $300, new. And a used one is like $1,800. But if you can find it, you should definitely get it. Um. But the basis of what they're talking about, when they talk about the Aku, they're talking about how man is really his own living interpol, uh, interpolation of the highest point or the highest point of creation or the highest point of the conceptualization of the universe, which is, which is the divine father, which makes itself evident specifically through the son. Okay? Now, in the... In, the, uh, in these particular traditions, you will find certain things that, co- that ultimately correlate all together. And the things that correlate together are, um, like I said before, the, uh, the worship of the, the serpent and the worship of the woman. And you have the highest point, the highest point of conceptualization, creation in the universe being expressed by the divine father. So when we talk about these different cosmologies, these different cosmologies, you'll be able to see these stark similarities in them. Prime example, the most ancient cosmology and cosmology out of Timit is referred to as the Anuun cosmology, which is found in the an ancient capital of Egypt that is referred to as Anu. In Hebrew, that capital is referred to as On. An. And in Greek, it's referred to as Heliopolis. And in the particular cosmology of that, you have the great father, Ray, right, that has nine children. If I'm not mistaken, he has four children and five grandchildren. Okay? So you have Ray, who comes out of the primordial waters of Nu, who was his father in the earliest cosmology. Nu was his father. And it later, it later becomes known as now, net, or noon, where it embraces the aesthetic or the aspect of the divine feminine. Out of the primordial waters of Nu, or the celestial ocean of Nu, Ray appears. So when he appears, then he begins the process of conjoining with himself to be able to create these different children. When he creates these different children, we have the children who are Shu, Keflut. Shu represents the air. Keflut represents ionized gas and moist air. Okay? We also have uh, Geb and Nut, which represents Geb, which represents the earth. Who represents the heaven. All right. Now these represent the the higher layers, the higher layers of how the creation of the universe ultimately came into existence, and how the and how this planet, this terrestrial form of this planet, came into existence. But then you have his grandchildren, which represents the dynamics of human faculties. You have a star. Okay? which represents the highest self, or the highest manifestation of self, or the highest manifestation of God consciousness. You have Ah, or Aset, which represents divine wisdom. Okay? You have Set, which represents the lower self. Neptat, which represents mortality. And then you have the, the final right, the final point, which represents the composite of both the higher representation of yourself, as well as the lower, as well as the lower realms, which is Hebu Ur. Is Hebrew the elder, not Hebu the son, not just Hebrew the son of a star, but Hebrew the elder. Alright? Now, the interesting thing about this is that you can ultimately see how these things operate in accordance with these other neighboring different traditions. And every particular cosmology, cosmogony always find a god or goddess of the celestial ocean. And Hinduism, the name of the particular deity, his name is Varuna. He is the god of the celestial ocean. If you look at the correspondence between Varuna and Nu, you will find these amazing correspondences. They both have um, blue skin, okay? They both have blue skin. They both have um, a connectivity to amphibious as well as reptile-based type of animals. In the cosmology of the old god or the old duad, have the the of Tahuti creating these four different not these four entities these eight different primary entities right you have Nu and Naonet, Net Cook and Kalket, Hu and Howhe and Amun Amunet all right now Nu and Naonet, Net they all represent the dynamics of the primordial waters the celestial the the celestial waters. Now in quantum mechanics the dynamics of the celestial waters represents gluon plasma, and if you study quantum mechanics, uh quark, excuse me, quark gluon plasma, not gluon plasma, quark gluon plasma, quark gluon plasma is this watery, plasmic-like substance that emerged in the first ten milliseconds, fifteen milliseconds of the universe coming into existence under the process of the Big Bang. All right. And it really begins the process of enabling the dynamics of the universe beginning the process of weaving together and threading together and creating the break of what we understand to be dark matter constant. And that particular deity, according to ancient Kemetic traditions, when you're talking about the weaving goddess, the most ancient anthropomorphization of the great mother goddess would be the goddess Night. All right. The interesting thing about that as well, even going to the, the god of the celestial ocean, when you take it to Mesopotamia, the name of the deity is named Abzu, named Abzu. In Mesopotamia language, Ab means deep, and Desu means water. A-B-Z-U means deep waters, all right? So we're talking about this conceptualization of an all-encompassing divinity that transcends dynamics of physicality as a whole. That in ancient the referred to was as Nebuchadnezzar, all right? The Greeks refer to it as Poimanda. Even down to the Newarkians, they refer to it as Poimanda. Wait, can you,
1: um, in, in Greek, can you spell that?
2: Sure, no problem. Poimanda, spelled P-O-I, that's one word. Manda, spelled M-A-N-D-A. There's another amazing, there's a book that Bob Phil suggested called *The Poemondo* that actually explains it in, um, explains it in depth as well. This represents the all-encompassing divinity that transcends the barriers of physicality as a whole. All right. Um, and out of Mother comes comes. The aspects of Nebuchadnezzar, or the attributes of Nebuchadnezzar, such as the sun, such as the planets, such as ionized gas, such as all of these different things here, what the chemites were describing in the nine eyes of light is that you are your own universe. You are your own universe. And he was saying that these different multi-dimensional lenses that you would perceive yourself to be through. Mimics the creation of the universe according to the Anu-based cosmology. Even when you're talking about the Mesopotamian traditions, when you say the word Anu, right, the capital in which the Anu cosmology comes from, right, created the basis of Anu, which means uh, who was the Sky Father in the Mesopotamian tradition. The word Anunaki, Anunnaki, the word Anunnak in Sumerian means princely offspring princely offspring of Anu. Ki means earth. So princely offspring of Anu who's on earth. All right? And you have these different anthropomorphizations of the attributes of Anu. The Anu who is the sky father, who is the sun. In Ifa, it's uh, not Oludumare, it's Olurun or Olurun. Okay, Holy One has a consort named O'Neill, right, who was the Earth Mother. So we find different correspondences here. Now, what we're talking about from a historical perspective is we have to understand something very, very interesting from a historical perspective. The civilization that we understand to be ancient Kimi, we're tracing that back from the dynastic period of about. Anywhere between fifty-five hundred to at least sixty-five hundred, sixty-five hundred years ago, from the dynastic period that persisted for about twenty-six dynasties. Some people count thirty. Some people don't count the remaining four dynasties based off of other different influences, such as the uh, such as the uh, the Byzantine rule and things of that nature. There's an amazing book that you can check out that really chronicles the. the Ptolemies. Of Ptolemies. I'm sorry, sir.
3: The Ptolemies.
2: Yeah. The Ptolemaic dynasty is one of the Christian Byzantine-based rule as well. I mean, you're talking about from the 330s all the way from the 330s, all the way up until 30 BCE, we had the, the, um, the murder of the, the last Ptolemy, Octavius, right? Um, who was Octavius, who was murdered by a particular Augustus who I forget his name? And then you, that's where you get the basis of the Christian Byzantine rule. That runs from thirty B C E all the way up to three ninety five. Um, three ninety five uh, three ninety five Common Era. Then from three ninety five Common Era you get the the you know, that rule between that Christian Byzantine based empire. Um, excuse me. Let me get that right. And 30, after thirty B C. E. you get the Roman rule. And then from Rome, and then from the Roman rule to three ninety five CE Common Era, you get the Christian Byzantine rule. After the Christians, from so the Christian Byzantine rule, you get from 395 CE Common Era heading all the way up into the 640s. 640 AD is where you get the emergence of the, uh, of the Islamic influence, the Mamelukes, um, those different Caliphites um, that ultimately enter into those areas in northeastern Africa. It started stimulating the ancient comedic uh, thought that the Coptic Christians ultimately created specifically within that time frame from the 330s. Uh, c e all the way up into the common era so what we have to understand is that ancient cometic thought uh, was suppressed specifically in the emergence of the Alexandria Library. The truth about it is that the Alexandria Library is ultimately responsible for creating the dynamics of of uh, these different books that we understand to be the, uh, the the Torah, the Tanakh, uh, the Biblios, which, um, which literally means the Latin "little book" or collection of books, okay, and you can be able to find um, you can be able to find the pretty much the influence of all the different civilizations, the, the civilizations of the Old World, from Kemet to the Indus Cush Valley to Mesopotamia, all comprised specifically in that book that we call the Bible. Um, prime example: we talk about the word Sabbath. Um, uh, a Hebrew person who's, who, who considers himself to be a Hebrew scholar They will tell you that the word Sabbath Comes from the Hebrew word Shavita Which means um, Seven Or a week long But if you study the ancient Mesopotamian language The Sumerian language You get the word Shaputu, Which chronicles the seven different generations Of deities Or the seven different generations of the Anunnaki That begin to, trans, um, to transform In different parts of their rule so with the seventh generation of the rule of the Anunnaki, they refer to them, refer to them as the Shaputu. and this seven days or uh, seven, uh, seven, uh, seven different generations of these Anunnaki ultimately ruling ultimately created the basis of the 7 day mythology according to, to according to the different Hebraic teaching. Now, when you get to the dynamic of understanding Hinduism, right? The word Shiva in Hebrew literally means seven. The word Shiva in Hebrew literally means seven, okay? And the earliest, one of the earliest stories of Shiva or Shiva in Hinduism talks about his earliest incarnation as a human being, referred to as Adiyogi, all right? Adiyogi, and Adiyogi incarnates into the physical realm to disseminate his information of these energetic centers and how to awaken the energetic centers to seven sages. These seven stages represent and are synonymous teachings of how to awaken the seven chakras. All right, so it's all intricately connected here. If you read the Bible, specifically in chapter three, in chapter three, it completely demonizes the primary things that all indigenous civilizations worship, which is and the serpent. Okay. So the circle represents the sine wave, right? It also represents the DNA helix, the DNA helix. It also represents the mimicking of the planet coiling behind the sun in the figure eight formation, not going around the sun in the circle of formation, but coiling behind the sun in the figure eight formation, all right? And we're talking about the woman. This is why Eve is demonized. And you can check it out specifically in, in Genesis starting from Genesis 217, it says, "But the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it in the day in that day, if thou eatest, therefore you will surely die, right Now in Genesis three: one it says, "Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field, in the field." And the Lord God said unto the woman, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. In Genesis 3 3, he says, But of the fruit of the tree, uh, it says, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it. Feed it all the way to Genesis 3 4, it says, The serpent ultimately comes up to the woman, comes up to Eve. And tells Eve, look, you're not going to die. It says, the serpent says to the woman, You shall not not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be open, and you shall be as God. Now, this is uh, following them, or this is the precursor to them eating the fruit. After they eat the fruit, their eyes become open, right? Based off of the serpent. Telling them to eat the fruit Uh, In Genesis 3.11 It says uh, Who told you that you was naked Because they realized that they was naked Alright In Genesis 3.14 It says that he kicks out the serpent All the way proceeding up Into into, into Genesis 3.22 It says Behold the man has become like us He now knows Good from evil Okay And this is an interesting thing that we have to understand. If God put them in the midst of a garden and said, don't eat of the tree or you're going to die, right? Then the serpent comes and says, you're not going to die. If you eat of the tree of knowledge, you'll be like God, right? Then they eat of the tree of knowledge. God gets mad, kicks kicks them out and the serpent out, And said to the rest of the quote unquote Elohim right? Behold the man has become like us He knows good from evil Now who's really the bad guy? That's the question that we really have to ask Is it this mythical particular creature that we consider to be God That's punishing you, rewarding you Based off of shit that don't make no sense to do (laughs) Or is it the serpent that just came to you And told you that you be God or you'd be like God as soon as you eat the fruit. Then God confirms the fact that that's exactly what happened. What we have to understand is the dynamics are not only from a spiritual perspective, but also from a historical perspective. The Alexandria Library comprised the information from all of these different places from the Indus Kush to Mesopotamia to northeastern Africa. How did, uh, you, one person may ask, how did they get the uh, the information specifically out of India? We have to remember that Alexander the Greek ultimately went into parts of India and defeated uh, a Vedic king by the name of King Porus in 326 BCE, all right? Rams set their libraries that, that are considered to be the Vedas. We have to understand also that the Vedic traditions, the Vedic traditions ultimately come specifically based off of Eurasian cultures which are European cultures coming into and ultimately taking over the pre and the Mohamed Chidaro civilization between that time frame of 1700 to 1800 BCE. And these particular cultures that we know of that took them over, one is referred to as the Sintasta tribe. If you guys want to check them out, if you guys want to actually do some research on the Sintasta, I'm going to spell it for you. The Sintasta is spelled, let me get it right, because I don't want to get you guys wrong. Let me look at my notes real quick. First time looking at notes. Let me get that right for y'all. Syntasta, I-N-T-A-S-H-T-A, Syntasta. All right. Um, another tribe is also referred to as the uh, uh, the Androma uh uh Andron Ovo culture. A-N-D-R-O O-V-O Okay? These are Proto European cultures that came into the areas of northern India. And you have a whole host of different ones. You have the Yamna culture, the um the uh Abhishevra culture, the um Africa culture these different cultures enter into the areas of where we can see uh, Asia, right? But they are ultimately migrating specifically out of areas where we consider to be now Europe now, the Sea the Caucasus Mountains, all these different areas, but they're entering in, into these different areas of northern India. And they started subjugating these people who were ultimately children of northeastern Africans. North Africans. And not necessarily northeastern Africans in purest genetics purity purest DNA, but they're the children of Ethiopians, okay? These children are ultimately described as proto and phenotype, meaning that their skin is jet black, but their hair is more wavy and coarse, okay? And you can ultimately find their existence specifically in the area of modern-day Arabia. So not necessarily. Uh, uh, it, that would be modern-day Yemen. It is the old-day southern Arabia, which would be the land of Saba, from where you get the, the word Shiva from. When they talk about Makita in the Bible, Makita was the queen of Sheba. Sheba is also known as Saba, and that's located in modern day Yemen. And really, what they're telling, they're retelling a Vedic story between Shiva or Shiva and Prabhati. If you study the Rig Vedas, there's always a story of Shiva. Uh, disrespecting property because her skin was too black. And if you read the Songs of Solomon, what is the first thing that Makita says? She says, I am black, but calmly. She has to specify that she's beautiful, even though she's black. Okay? The Alexandria Library took all of this information and comprised it together and created the basis of what is referred to as the situation. Anybody who who studies particular spiritually-based history Knows that, that there's no evidence of the satuagen in existence. There's no actual satuagen. It's just letters, and supposed to be copies of certain things that's been authorized by I had been by the name of Joseph Flavius Piso, and him sending these different letters to his uh, to uh to his uh, to his comrades, and so on and so forth, to be able to um uh to be able to further uh substantiate the belief of this myth um. Even when you're talking about certain stories out of the Bible, such as the Exodus, uh, all these different things, Um, uh, Hebrews being a slave to the Egyptians, the oldest version, the oldest version of the Ten Commandments, right? The oldest version of the Ten Commandments was not found in the Americas. It wasn't found by a Native American tribe and none of that other shit. It was found and now come out of Egypt. It's referred to as the Nash Papyrus. And they found this specifically when they found the Dead Sea Scroll. And they also found the oldest version of the emerald tablet that was written in Arabic. The Nacamali uh excuse me. The makes no mention of Hebrews ever being enslaved to the Egyptian. This is the oldest papyrus that holds the Ten Commandments. So the opening statement, I am the Lord thy God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, thou shalt not have it. None of that shit. Is in the oldest version of the Ten Commandments directly from the National Pirates. So, the interesting thing that we have to understand is that from this is where you get the basis of what they refer to as the Abrahamic faith or the Abrahamic faith. Abraham is another story, another particular Indian Hindu based story. Out of the uh, the relationship of one of the gods from the Hindu uh, from the Hindu masculine trinity, there are two trinities in Hinduism. You have the Trimurti, which is the masculine um, the masculine uh, uh, trinity. You have the Tridevi, which is the feminine trinity. Brahma is a god from the masculine trinity. Okay, so his wife is named Saraswati. Brahma and Sabbath Vati. Abraham or Abraham and Sarah. Okay, Abraham and Sarah. Brahma and Sabbath Vati. Same story. Also, the name Abraham, a Hebrew would tell you that the word Abra or Abraham comes from the word Ibri or Abra, which means to cross over. Also, an anagram, it's a particular anagram that combines these ancient Kemetic words together. The word Ib, which means heart. Same thing in Islam. Abraham is known as Ibrahim. Correct? So you have Ibrahim, right, in, in, in uh in Arabic. In Hebrew is Abraham or Abraham. So Ab, which means part, Ra, which is the sun. Ham means black. Alright? So they kinda of took these whole things together and try to be able to actually blend them all together as a way to be able to keep the, the sciences very subversive. Now, why is it they want to keep it subversive? They wish to keep it subversive because their whole thing is about externalization. The Abrahamic faith teaches you how to externalize God as an entity outside of yourself. That's what it focuses on. It teaches you how to externalize God as an entity outside of you, okay, and they stole these particular traditions from what is approaching with the Dharmic-based philosophy. The Dharmic-based philosophy focuses on the law of causation, the law of cause and effect, all right? And it ultimately creates the basis of what they refer to as karma. Now, the template of the Dharmic-based philosophy teaches you how to internalize God from within. Because when you're talking about the particular time frame of these different traditions, we're talking about, the insurrection of the ancient comedic tradition, also the civilizations that exist along the Horn of Africa. Now, in the Horn of Africa, you have four primary countries, Djibouti, Somalia, Eretria, um, Ethiopia, okay? And in the areas of Ethiopia, you will always be able, uh, be able to connect a particular premise of certain civilizations that were created as well, such as Moreau. Napata, these certain kingdoms that were also created as well. Now, the connected principle that brings all of them together is a certain ruined city that existed in Nero that was built specifically or was ruled at one point by an Egyptian Nubian king named Nanakamani. Nanakamani also was connected to a particular queen by the name of Queen Amenatorian. All right? They had a ruined city in that area called Nagas. This is where you get the basis of the Naga based mythology. The word Nagas in Sanskrit means one without legs and one without arms. What they're talking about is the serpent. The primary deity out of Nagas, his name is Apatimak. Apatimak. Right, who was an Egypto-Lubia-based god, that if you study the basis of a Palimac, a Palimac is a serpent-based deity. He has the body of a serpent, the face of a lion. And what they were doing in Egypto-Lubia-based culture is that people were comprising these two primary entities that shared together. One is referred to as buto, or wajet, or Irete. The Greeks referred to it as the Uraeus. And another deity referred to as sethmet, now, the Uranus governs a particular force referred to as iritu, all right, which awakens specifically in the hairline, the hairline of the physical growth body, and it awakens specifically by way of the spine. It is the ancient Kamaic interpretation or the forerunner of the Sanskrit traditions version of what they refer to as Kundalini. Kundalini in Sanskrit means to coil. That's what I represents, the coiling force that, that raises up what they refer to as the Thessus, final the spinal column that has these seven different etheric-based columns. If you look at the papyrus of Kenna, you see Mayat and Amit, and you see these different knots inside of the scale. They're imitating the Thessus, which represents these seven different knots. This is the sign of the ancient traumatic basis of chakras, the energetic centers. Okay, this is why you see Iaret on the top of the minute, which is uh, the crown for the Nasubbidi, or one of the crowns of the Nasubbidi. All right? Also, you have the goddess Sekhmet. Sekmet governs a particular force referred to as Sekhim. All right? Now, Sekhim is the fiery force that awakens in the process of Iaret raising. So when she raises it is the outer it's the outer version of what Kundalini actually is. We have the Ida and the Pingala in Hinduism. Okay? The Ida and the Pingala. The Kundalini and the Prana. Okay? So I Ayur- or, or Urayas would be the Kundalini. Second would be the Prana. Alright? In Buddhism, it's referred to as the, the tumor. Tummo is spelled T-U-M-M-O. As we continued on, we're talking about. Uh,
1: oh. Come on, man. Come on. I've been way too patient, bro. <laughs>
3: you
1: know, I've been way too patient. Do you pity Mac? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the Nana uh-huh. Kamani aspect, when you test on that, man, that's KT all day. Uh-huh. Like, he, uh-huh. he live and breathe on his Black Panther decoded on that. You know what I'm saying? Even talking about yeah. the whole Nana Kamani aspect of him being named Kamani. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you tying it together, bro.
2: Y'all, oh, man, that's amazing. I, and I you spoke to mean? KT when I was out there, man. Peace mm-hmm. to
1: God. You making it plain. This is this is audio jewelry.
2: Oh man, that's a blessing, man. Uh, yo, yo, I, I already asked them. You know, I already asked my, uh, my, uh, you know, I already asked my ancestors. I was like, look, y'all, on, I'm, a, I'm gonna be on autopilot tonight. <laughs> you understand know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> I said I'm gonna be on
3: go. autopilot tonight.
2: I told my ancestors, I say I'm on autopilot. I told my higher self, I'm on autopilot. Y'all take over. You understand know what I'm saying? Right. So yeah, I
3: just please
2: continue, out, though. No doubt, no doubt. I just, I, I got all my stuff here. And uh, I've just been really flown on it. So, uh, Nana Kermani, uh, the, the Egypto Nubian, um, the Egypto Nubian guy that is a mop. Um And we can deal with the party mob. he really comprises the two different natures of these different deities, of different nacheres. Um Sekhmet and Iren. Sekhmet and Waset or Sekhmet and Butoh, as she's known as well, okay? Now, in this city of Nagas, there's also a particular city, or not necessarily a city, a training port that was in that area, Ethiopia, because we're talking about this particular city, prior before it was known as Moreau, it was also known as Karnetche, and it was ran by... Uh, uh, uh a certain um a certain peop uh it was rabbi it was a trading province that was ran it was rabbi to the chip and people called the punt and the Puwini. And it was a trading process in which you had these different people from all over the world uh coming in and trading with Ethiopians and trading with Kushites. And what they were doing is that they were passing on these traditions, these uh, traditions of how to awaken your own immortality. Now, the thing about this is the fact that what we have to understand, too, is that the Kermites never worship God. If anybody's listening to this right now, I want to make this very clear. Africans don't worship God. We access elements. Okay? I want to make this very clear. Africans don't worship God. We access elements. What is an element? The etymology behind the word element. The word element comes from, well, the etymology behind the word element comes from the word el, the Hebraic word for divinity or God, okay? Mixed from the Old Latin as well as the Old French, it means mind. An element is an attribute of God's mind, all right? So when we're talking about accessing elements, we're talking about accessing attributes of universal consciousness, which leads us to understanding how the Net Chair were created. The Net Chair were created through priests, from priests, from shamans. All right, teaching you to access the universal consciousness or the great mind by way of communicating uh by way, not necessarily communicating, by way of interfacing with your ancestral consciousness. Now, what does that mean? You have ancestors that come into the physical realm from a corporeal sense as well as a cosmological sense. Now your corporeal ancestor, your physical ancestor, your blood and flesh ancestor, each of them encompass an attribute of great mind. Bobby Hina taught us that there are three levels to the cop. You have an animal and an inferior cop, and a divine cop. Okay? Now, in Buddhism, it's referred to as the trikaya. You have the nirmakaya, the sambhogakaya, and the dharmakaya. Or excuse me, it would be the dharmakaya, the sambhogakaya, and the nirmakaya. All right? And Hinduism is referred to as the Sairos. So pretty much what they're talking about is the growth body, the emotional body, and the subtle body. The divine car, according to the nine eyes of life, represents its own personal net share. All right? Your own personal net share, meaning that it actually actualizes its own personal God form. So what the net chairs ultimately are, are formulas, the energetic formulas that teach you how to interface with the universal consciousness under the illusion of it being an attribute of great mind. It's the attribute of great mind. And the way that you interface with it specifically is by your ancestral DNA, the DNA that actually lives specifically within you, because the attribute of the net chair is animated specifically by your ancestor's consciousness. What we mean by that is, what I mean by that is this. I said, what we mean by that? That's obviously them talking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so the way that deities were created is this. Hypothetically speaking, if you were to take a deity that you wanted to make like Shango, right, or a Risha named Shango, you would take certain attributes from certain people, You would take the qualities of a king who was a womanizer, has three or four wives, can't keep his hands off a woman, off a woman. You would take the qualities of a great mystic and a magician in the village. Then you would take the qualities of a supreme dancer, entertainer, singer, artist in the village. Then you would take the qualities of an amazing warrior, right? These particular um, uh, people from the village may have died in a five to ten different year time span from each other. Then they may have died all within the same week. But what the shaman would do is he would take the particular attributes of these different people that shine forth the most and create a formula to be embedded inside of the collective subconscious psyche of the villagers there by teaching them dances, evils, sacrifices, and tell them to perform these different things to embed the attribute of this particular orisha in their subconscious psyche. So when they would dance, perform an evil shango, or the form of whatever ancestor that actually died, will communicate to them through their DNA under the premise of being this attribute of great mind. That's what they did in the orisha cosmology. And that's what they did in the cometic cosmogony. and the Hindu cosmogony. What they did in the Tibetan tradition, they did all of that in regards to creating these formalized traditions. The purpose, and this ultimately leads us to the understanding of why a mystery system was actually needed in a chikimic. Any person that studies the, uh, the traditions of, of Buddhism, the science of reincarnation, the they would tell you a soul, right, a relatively, um, a relatively, um, I won't say necessarily advanced soul, but a soul that can begin the process of making the transition of breaking out the cycle of life, death, and reincarnation. Has to acquire a certain amount of information before it can even learn the science of how to actualize their own divinity. So they say that an average soul averages about 47 to 50 different incarnations. Now we're talking about the average time span being about 80 years. So if you add it all, all together, you're talking about roughly forty five to about five thousand years old is how old a soul would be. From a spiritual perspective, the purpose of a mystery school is to differentiate the older soul from the younger soul. That's the purpose. When you have people who are in the people who were in the village, in the society who were younger souls, they're being told to perform these rituals to do these offerings and so on and so forth and worship these particular entities as energies outside of themselves or to activate them and utilize them as principles in their everyday lives until they can learn the basis of how to access that element and become one with it. Upon becoming one with it, then they can be inducted into a mystery system or begin the process of training from that between the ages of about 12 to 40 years old. Now, if you're training for that, right, you're learning how to, number one, stop worshiping, learn how to become one with the element, right, and then that element learns to serve you, so you went into it under the illusion that you were serving this net chair, then you realize that you are have the responsibility of becoming one with the net chair, then you realize that you are the net chair, therefore the attributes of that net chair serve you, and that was the purpose of a mystery school. Differentiate the soul who was ready for that, and the soul who had to continuously keep coming back and forth in this cycle of life after reincarnation. Now, the thing about this now is that we're heading into what they refer to as the procession of the equinoxes, a marvelous event that occurs every twenty-five thousand nine hundred and twenty years, in which this planet comes into the closest vicinity to the Cygnus star constellation. The Cygnus star, anciently, is referred to as Sol Do or soak death or sop death. In some particular traditions he said sopdet is said to be the daughter of Husseir, the daughter of a saw Alright? Now that means that there are enough souls on this physical plane that have earned enough information from previous incarnations that the mystery system is now defunct. And it is now defunct because the majority of the mother in the P planet have gone through enough initiation from their multiple incarnations to have access to this information now. That's why all this new age information is there. Now, there's a, now, there's a particular prophecy. Bobby Himmer talks about this prophecy that comes from the version of the world in which Ascrepios uh, or Ascrepinos speaks to uh, Hermes Trismegistus. In comedic mythology, it'd be Imhotep. I am Hotep who talks to Jehuti. Um, so, uh, Escipulus is told by Hermes that the ancient Egyptians will be brought into the Western Hemisphere. He said they won't act like Egyptians. They won't dress like Egyptians. They won't behave like Egyptians. They'll be in the Western Hemisphere for roughly 400 years. This is in a book, The Version of the World. You can find a PDF of it. I read this shit. It's in there. <laughs> All right? So, The Version of the World. the Scripios, if we get told this by Hermes, he says, um, what's going to happen? He said, also, he said that Egypt will be a desert land. It'll be a graveyard. This is what Hermes Trismegistus told Escripios. Now, in the myth the Scipios begins to cry and says, what are we going to do? He says that there will be a particular point where the ancient Kermites who were in that system will awaken, based off of them actually coming back in the civilization. This is why we are in the West. Asar is the great Westerner. Asar, according to the ancient Kermetic mythology, represents the divine sense of the higher self. He is symbolized specifically by the crown chakra, not the first eye chakra. The first eye chakra is Aset in Hinduism is called Ashna. She governs the pituitary gland. The pituitary gland controls the hormones. It controls the fluids to be regulated specifically throughout the remaining parts of the endocrine system. Okay, your pineal gland produces those fluids. It produces the colosmic fluid. It produces the serotonin and the melatonin that the pituitary gland has to regulate throughout the endocrine system, okay? So they work together, all right? This is the energy of us and our set. That's why the black woman is God, the black man is God. We can't survive without each other. The most ancient primordial conceptualization of God in existence is the divine father. The most ancient primordial manifestation of, of God in existence is the divine mother, Okay, so if you study anything from ancient Gnostic traditions, even when we talk about the, self, the self-created goddess of Sophia in the Gnostic tradition, you have to understand that she's only self-created based off of perception. She's the most ancient manifestation of God. The most ancient conceptualization of God in that myth is named Sabaoth. Sabaoth. He is the great father of, that conjoins with Sophia, Sophia becomes pregnant and brings him through, okay? That's why in the myth, she is his consort and his mother. In Hinduism, it's the story of Shiva and Tripura Sandari, or Sambo and Lalita Devi, all right? And Sambo impregnates Tripura Sandari, and he comes through as her son. He becomes her son and her, as well as her husband. Then she reincarnates as Sati. Then she dies and commits suicide and comes forth in the form of poverty, different emanations of herself. All right? So we have to understand that us in the West are fulfilling a great prophecy that the Moors were operating as a particular, I hate to say the word, consortium. I think that's a, that's a disrespectful term. I would say that they were gatekeepers of ancient comedic mythology. And the way that they were able to be gatekeepers, you got to understand that the Mamelukes in the 640s and the Ottoman Turks, they came into Egypt taking the information from the Christian Byzantine-based empire who had assimilated all the ancient traditions of the Kemites that created the basis of the, the Ethiopian Tawahedo Church, of the Coptic Christian Church. From when you get the Gnostic tradition, all right? that is an uh, amalgamated or a, not necessarily a watered-down version, but uh, uh, an assimilated version of ancient comedic thought that comprises Christianity altogether. When you get the Mamaluks and you get these other forms of Islamic people entering into the areas of North Eastern Africa, they started assimilating the traditions as well. This is why most, the, the earliest version of the Immortalists is a copy that's written in Arabic. It's not, no, it's not green tablets from lances. It's an Arabic version. It's an Arabic translation. Okay? So the thing about it is the fact that we represent a great prophecy. This is why Noble Ali came. This is why the Honorable, Lo, uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad came. Why Master Farah Muhammad came. Okay? we you're talking about Noble Ali Noble Juali. Is the forefather, he put Master Farah Muhammad on. He put Honorable Allah. All of them got their game from Noble Drew Ali. Noble Drew Ali was introducing something else. If it wasn't for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, you wouldn't even have a person who was the offspring of Honorable Elijah Muhammad, named Clarence 13X or Clarence Jawas, to introduce to you the mythology, of the, or not the mythology, or the philosophy of the 5% nation of gods and earths. Okay? There's a prophecy that is happening here, that is teaching us the dynamics of of what Nobu Ali was referring to us as the Asiatic black man, not to disrespect the fact that we are continental Africans. He was referring to us as the Asiatic black man in a form of alchemy, meaning that us in the Western Hemisphere comprise the DNA and the genetics of all of our children. We are the Africans with the DNA and the genetics of all of our children. Okay, we have these European, we have the European genetics inside of us. We have the Native American genetics inside of us. We have uh, um, uh, Chinese people, uh, genetics inside of us. Any possible genetics that you could possibly imagine is living inside of our gene pool. All right, and we have to participate in the process of transmuting these lower, these lower um, uh, genetic strands into higher manifestations of themselves. We are alchemy. This is, an, this is an alchemical process that's taking place. All right? And then the process of taking place, it will change your genetics. It will change your DNA. This is what Baba Phil was talking about specifically. If you watch the lecture called The Metasomatic Awakening of Self, that's what he was talking about. In which the dynamics of, human, of, the, uh, of the human uh, strand or the human strain The consortium of human consciousness has to push into a new wave of evolution. Okay? So what does this all mean right now? What this means right now is that this applies specifically to the science of what I consider to be African-based metaphysical psychology, not African spirituality. The word spirit comes from the Latin word spiritus. It means breath. In Hebrew, it comes from the word ra'uk or ra'ak. It means wind. Now, when you're talking about the wind, why is it called the wind? Because they're talking about a particular element that cannot be seen with the regular eye. It has its access from within, and when you access it from within, wind, you feel wind. You feel wind enter into your nostrils. You feel wind exit out of your mouth, but you don't see wind. Okay, it's the same thing in regards to what they refer to as the ka ancient comedic tradition. The word ka doesn't mean spirit; it means double. What they refer to is your etheric double. Okay, your etheric double, and that etheric double is activated specifically through breath and through vibration. All right, and your etheric double. Um, can create a particular vehicle that is referred to as the Merkaba. Mer meaning wave or light, Ka meaning body, and uh, ka, meaning, excuse me, ka meaning meaning soul. If anybody has ever read Drumvilla Melchizedek's the, uh, the Ancient Secret of the Flower of Life, I just want to let you know that that guy is a fucking liar. Because the word Merkaba, the, the word Ba, does not mean body, the word Ba means soul. And what Europeans, what a lot of these Europeans do, specifically from the New Age movement, are trying to find a way to be able to participate in this alchemical process at the rate that we came to this planet to participate in. Europeans are trying to get in on the rate that we're doing it at. And they can only do it at the rate that we say, if we say they can participate at our rate, then they can participate at our rate. That's the only way that they can do it. And the only way that they can participate at our rate is through our ignorance. If you don't know your history and if you don't know your knowledge, you don't know know the language of the literature or enough of it to be able to understand what he's saying to you and what he's trying to do to you, he will slip in under the fucking radar because they know their time is up. It's a wrap. It's finished. You're here to unburden your soul, and the European at its highest potentiality is here to earn one. To earn one, period. That's the difference between us and them. So stop worrying about what the fuck he's doing. Worrying about what you're doing. And you have to worry about what you're doing based on the fact that you're going inside of yourself to know yourself. Now, like I was saying from before, you have three different layers of the energetic body, or three different layers of how to interface with the energetic body. Now, you have a gross body, an emotional body, and a, fit, and a, and a subtle body. These three bodies operate in accordance with your triune brain, okay? The triune brain is a three-part brain. You have the R complex. The R complex is known as the reptilian brain, all right? Then you have the paleomammalian complex which is the limbic system, or the midbrain. And then you have the neomammalian complex, which is governed by the particular basis of the brain or the, or, or the top of the brain, known as the neocortex. Now, your reptilian brain governs a particular function or a set of functions that Double Blair refers to as the four Fs. made the Most High his journey. He calls them the four Fs, fighting, feeding, fleeing, and fornication. It's ultimately centralized specifically in the three lower chakras, okay? Your brain is your limbic system. It governs your emotion, your motivation, okay? And it has a connectivity to the hippocampal part of the brain. Um, hold on, let me look at my notes real quick because I, I want to make sure I specify that as well, that correct for Samuel. The midbrain, brain, the complex, it governs the amygdala, the hypothalamus, and the hippocampus, the hippocampus part of the brain. Now, what's interesting about the hippocampus part of the brain is that it's responsible for inducing hallucinations as well as um, creating memories, okay? So that represents your emotions. It deals with your emotional body. Then you have your neomammalian complex. It consists of the neocortex, all right? It governs planning and perception. Now, the people who created this particular model said that the neocortex is always found specifically in higher mammals, in higher mammals, specifically human beings, Homo sapiens sapiens. Not a lot of, not a lot of other mammals have um, such a, an expansive potentiality to work with the neocortex such as Homo sapiens sapiens. All right? And this governs the dynamic of your subtle body, your energetic body. All right? Now, your physical gross body is the conduit to connect to your emotional body. Your emotional body is the conduit to connect to your subtle body. Your subtle body becomes the conduit to connect to your conscious and your subconscious mind. Your subconscious is the gateway to the spirit world. All right? So when you're dealing with that, That's when you start interfacing with these nine eyes of light, according to the ancient Kemetic tradition. So in my workshop, I teach a nine chakra system. Your root chakra, your sacral chakra, your uh, solar plexus chakra, your heart chakra, your thymus chakra, your throat chakra, your ultra major chakra that's located at the back of the neck where the vertebrae of the spine is at the top of the vertebrae of the spine is at. And that's referred to um, as the atlas. Uh, and it creates... uh uh-huh. If
1: you don't know mind, can you repeat that?
2: Okay. Um, the ultimate chakra?
1: The whole sequence for okay, the audience.
2: Sure. Okay, sure. Um, the root chakra, the solo... Uh, excuse me, the, the root chakra, the sacral chakra, the solar plexus chakra, the heart chakra, the thymus chakra, and the uh, uh the throat chakra and the ultra major chakra. Okay. Can you spell that? Oh, so no problem. A-L-T-A, that's one word, and major, spelled M A G M A J O R. Now, the interesting thing about the ultimate chakra is this. The ultimate chakra opens up a gateway to allow the higher light bodies to converge in your physical body. So if you're looking for direct interface with your higher self, this is the chakra to this is the chakra to work with. Alright. Then you have first eye chakra. It's called ajna in Sanskrit. And it's governed by the pituitary gland. And you have the crown chakra. Alright. Now what's prominent about the First eye chakra is that it works specifically with divine femininity. It really governs the dynamics of intuition. So it will awaken EST, clear audience, clear sentience, clairvoyance, claircognizance, all right? It would be, in my teachings, it would be the gland of aspect who represents the, the, uh, from a metaphysical perspective, the energy of divine intuition. Okay. The crown chakra will be the will be the uh, the chakra of Ustir, or a star. That represents the um the pineal body or the pineal gland. Um while my field teacher says that when the pineal gland becomes erect, that's when it begins the process of secreting the ancient uh the, the fluids, like an actual penis. Now, in this book called The Nine Eyes of Light, it talks about the fourteen different uh, parts of Osiris that was uh, mutilated by Set, which is really the ego. Okay, so it says, uh, I'm gonna read it from this part. It says, "Ka is your double on the etheric plane, the double of your net share in god or goddess form." and it represents the god or the goddess you feel most aligned to. When you truly feel this way and connect to this, you can see the net you embody and the aspect of the divine pattern you work with and embody. Okay? It says, in Egypt, there are 14 different aspects of the car body, of star and Osiris, corresponding to the 14 parts of his body that were cut up and deposited in various locations around Egypt before he was re- uh, resurrected through the love and the magic of us. The 14 aspects of a father's spirit are the ability to sustain the body and mind by knowing oneself; its processes and what it needs to sustain, in, uh, to sustain its endurance, its stamina, and the ability to see something through to the end, the ability to nurture the body, mind, and soul. This is the second one, the second part. The ability to nurture the body, mind, and soul through relationships, healthy internal and external environments, true speech, right conduct, and integrity. uh, This is the third one. The creative power of food and greenness, being in touch with the spirit of the earth, living in nature. The fifth, uh, excuse me, this is the fourth one. The ability to penetrate a situation, a person, a thought process with clarity and divine insight to reveal the inherent truth in it and to cut through the veils of illusion. The the fifth one would be the ability to cut through illusion with power and to sever connections and and create connections. All right? The sixth one, the capacity to sit in a holy state of consciousness and command respect through your presence and accomplishment. The seventh one, the ability to use power to get something done when the time is right. The ability to be a leader and take charge. The eighth one, the ability to consider all aspects of the situation uh, through decisiveness and acting accordingly. Uh, the ability, this is the, the ninth one, the ability to consider others and their feelings, seeing other points of view. The tenth one, the power to be honorable to tell the truth and be honest and humble as a form of empowerment, the eleventh one, the power to know your own worth and the worth of others, okay the twelfth one, the power of radiance and the ability to radiate light and knowing and know with two others the power of the car and the heart combined um yeah, three other ones, the power of illumination to illuminate any shadow, any darkness, any confusion in self or others, to light up, to move and inspire and catalyze others and yourself into action. Um, Two more, the power of splendor, to be royal at at what you are and who you are, okay? And the power to yield and to wield magic is the last one the ability to change, to alchemize, and manifest situations, the power and abilities. These are all the qualities that represent the divine spirit of Usher, that us as a collective of people need to be activating right now. Right now. Now, how could we do this? Bye.
1: When you, um, when you speak about that, that process, because that's exactly what it is, I noticed some parallels in my own life. So it, it, it kind of is telling me that, again, this is a gradual process that coincides with the dictates, like you said, of um, of time and space, you know, even though that thing we talk about is relative. Right. Um, I, I see that unfolding. I see that as being the maturation phase, you know, because the serpent that you speak of, you know, me, me and my tribe know that to be—that's that scorpion energy, transformation and immortality by way of continuous regeneration on the wheel of eight. So it's, it's, it's very interesting, you know, to hear how you are laying out. You know, these be them KTL shows. You know, show that uh, Rick can concur when he comes on. Yeah, almost you in the audience, but you, you're looking in the mirror. You're listening to yourself or you're, listen, you're listening about yourself. But right. you also have the opportunity to share it with other people in the audience and listening that are going to assign it, you know, um, meaning, you know what I'm saying, on their own accord. So please continue.
2: Right. And what you're saying, it, it really taps in. Like, you know, we're talking about a collective view a collective of of, of, uh, of people who were here specifically in the West really recovering from a Holocaust that persisted for about 1,600 years. You know what I mean? Um, 1,200 years from the sub-Saharan slave trade. And we're talking roughly, you know, 400 years not necessarily roughly, we're talking 400 years in the transatlantic slave trade. So, the interesting thing about this the fact that we have to be able to ultimately understand the nature of the spirit and how the spirit really operates in accordance with the physical host body that the chemites refer to as the ka. The ka to be connected. The spirit and the body are very intricately connected. Um, one of the ways that they ultimately are connected specifically is from an epigenetic sense. Epigenetics is a study of how environments shape your genes. This is the basis of Transgenerational trauma Now from a spiritual perspective The nature of the spirit The spirit body according to the ancient Chemites was a gift from your ancestral link They said that The Ba or the soul um, The moment that it descends from The shining self which is referred to as Aku Okay And I want to go into the actual List of what the nine nine eyes Are The moment that the Ba descends uh, from Akul, cool, which is shining stuff, it enters into a car. Now, this car is the etheric double, and it's animated specifically by your ancestral's consciousness, and it retains the distortions of your ancestors. It retains their trauma. It also has their gifts. Okay. And the primary source of the Ba is to operate as a shell for, I mean, excuse me, the primary focus and the purpose of the Ka is to operate as a shell of the Ba. spirit body is to be a shell for your soul. That's why they always say, I always say this, no, that's why they always say my spirit is broken. Nobody ever says my soul is broken. They say my spirit is broken. And they say, oh, you know, uh, like, you know, we we should play Mortal Kombat, he used to he, he didn't break souls, he took souls. You understand? Know so you have to break a spirit to take a soul. That's how it really works. You know what I mean? So the ba is always protected by the car, it's the shell, it's the shell of the soul. Okay? The car is the shell of the soul, the spirit is the shell of the soul. Now, when we're talking about that um, one of the most important things That we have to understand Is that we incarnate into the physical shell and Into the spiritual shell For a particular purpose That primary purpose If you're listening to KTL right now Is to clear up the distortions And the traumatic experiences For, for yourself From in previous incarnations And your ancestors From in previous incarnations Alright So what does that mean? It means this. There's a part of you, we're talking about the, the concept of Christ, right? Comes from, you know, some people say it comes from the Greek word Christos, which means to be anointed, um, so on and so forth. But we can also really trace that back specifically to ancient Kemet, um, which is a culmination of two different primary words out of ancient Kemet. Uh, ka, which means spirit, and rest, which means rising. So or karas, which means the, the spirit that rises. So we're talking about, what, you know, what are you talking about rising? You know, you're talking about rising from trauma, rising from the dynamics of the physical realm uh, that ultimately govern traumatic experiences, mishaps, um, pain, uh, all of those different things. It's the spirit that rises above all of those things by transmuting those lower experiences into divine wisdom. By enabling divine love, okay. In my workshop, I teach this in regards of how to be able to activate that by working with a part of the of the nine eyes called the ab, all right, as well as uh, which is uh, which would, uh, in the Sanskrit considered be understood as the heart chakra and the thymus chakra, okay. So these two primary chakras, which is uh, with their green, the regular heart chakra is green, and the thymus is pink. Okay. And they, they both work intricately uh, together um, with, the, with certain layers of the uh, nine eyes, with certain lenses of the nine eyes, um, specifically the shadow self. And the shadow self, and Kemet, is referred to as the, as, the, as the cabot or the shoe. And the cabot, the shoe, it pertains all of the negative and the malevolent experiences from this incarnation as well as previous ones. Okay. And it has to be healed. There are a whole bunch of distortions in your shadow self, and you have to address the shadow self by looking directly at it. Once you look at it, you begin the process of asking, it, asking the shoe or the shadow its question. Uh, why do we feel this way? Um, uh, why am I retaining this experience? Uh, what is this trauma trying to teach me? So when soul, you begin to ask these questions. Once you ask these questions, the layer of the the cabinet or the shadow cell begins to peel off. It starts to peel these layers back. Upon peeling these layers back, you begin to dissolve uh, the quote-unquote demon. One of the most masterful teachers that has been very, very instrumental in my journey that I study a lot is uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti. And Jiddu Krishnamurti talks about the nature of psychological suffering. He says that the way that you dissolve psychological suffering is by facing the demons or facing the issue head on. Why do I feel this way? What is it? The most disgusting vile experiences that you repress have to come to the surface to be dissolved because the truth of the matter is that no demon can ever be cast out. You know, I don't know, you know, Chris just taught us that shit. You know, come out of us, you come out of her, you filthy demon so on and so forth, perform an exorcism and all of that extra shit. What you're doing at an altar, that you're altering your state of awareness. So, therefore, you're not casting anything out. There's nothing coming out of you. You're dissolving a demon from within. No demon can be cast out. The demons must be dissolved from within. And this is the process of how to engage in alchemy. And in this inner alchemizing process for yourself. You're really transmuting. You're literally transmuting who you are from a multi-dimensional perspective and a spirit being thus created the template for the physiological body to begin the process of transforming and transmuting as we head into the next level of evolutionary of consciousness, which is the fifth dimensional level of ascension, the arrival of Nibiru, the Kachina, uh, all of these different things that ancient civilizations have taught us have told us that was actually coming uh, as a way to help boost uh, the process of the earth shedding its density. So you have to shed the density, the psychological, the psycho-spiritual density that is inside of the mind, that is inside of the spirit, that's inside of the etheric and energetic body,
4: because
2: the because the earth is speeding up at its vibratory rate, as Bob Dr. W. Blair taught us. That means that we are, and every thought has a density, every thought has a weight. Walter Russell talked about that. How much does a thought weigh? It depends on the thought. Okay? And every time that you have a thought and it retains and it represses itself deeper to your subconscious psyche, your subconscious psyche is going to continue to bring it back up to the surface to your conscious mind until your conscious mind heals it. Your subconscious mind brings it to the surface like, what the fuck is this? I don't know what this is. <laughs> you understand what i saying? I don't know what this is that you're holding on to that happened to you when you were 15 or happened to you when you were 9. You have these warped perceptions about that. And really your subconscious mind is doing it by the way of your shadow self because your shadow self is the gateway to get to the deeper levels of your subconscious. Like I said before, your subconscious mind is the gateway to the spirit world, but your shadow self is the barrier between your conscious and your subconscious mind. So when you try to get to the deeper recesses of the subconscious, the shadow perks up. It, it, it pushes back and says, what is this? What is this shit? I can't let you, I can't let you go past. Until you clear this up. All right? And that's where a lot of us are at right now. It, and everything that's happening specifically within our minds is being reflected into the physical realm. You know, there is a collective shadow self that's being revealed. Why do you think of shit like Bambana being outed for molesting children is coming out? That represents the collective shadow self of the collective humanity starting to be revealed. Like, this shit needs to be, these are the barriers that are holding us back from tapping into the deeper recesses of the collective subconscious psyche that wants to boost us back into into our back into our immortality. Okay? And us as a collective have to heal. We have to heal. We we can't talk all this other shit about history and who's Moorish and who's black. All of that shit is simply a reflection of the fact that we need healing. We're arguing over over, uh, over fucking history facts and semantics and language to the point that we're ready to fight each other. Motherfuckers is on camera threatening each other's lives over some semantics, over a berberage, over a fucking evolution theory that was created by crackers. We're arguing and, we and threatening each other because there's a deeper part of us that needs to be addressed, If we keep externalizing it. We won't internalize it as a way to actually deal with it. And until we deal with it, we're not getting anywhere. But we need to get this shit together now because it's Kachina season. Anybody who doesn't know what Kachina season Google that shit. K-A-C-H-I-N-A, Kachina. That's a Hopi prophecy that tells you about preparing for the great day of purification. And if your ass ain't right for the great day of purification, you are going to regret it, period. The uh, the nine eyes as a whole, specifically in the car, is teaching you how to be the Christ of your link. The Kauras or the Mesa or the Messiah of your link. When they say Messiah, the word Messiah comes from the Hebrew word Messiahka. It means to rub or to anoint. And they did it in Greece with olive oil. They did it in Greece with olive oil because Osiris was worshipped in Greece. And Osiris or Osiris or Saru or Usir. Was an olive-skinned colored god, all right. Olive skin colored god. In Kemet, it's uh, he's anointed. You're anointed with the fat of a hippopotamus. The fat of the hippopotamus. It represents Chawarit, who was the great mother goddess, who was centralized in the calendar of Dendera, all right. And she represents the great mother goddess, all right? And Talaret is also connected to other anthropomorphic representations of the great mother, such as Ted Haru, Ah, so on and so forth. But Talaret represents the great mother goddess. So when he anointed you with the oil of, of a hippopotamus, fat of a hippopotamus, it was to commemorate the blessing of the great mother who, uh, who guides, who loves, who is nurturing, was always forgiving. Who showcases unconditional love that is indiscriminate, and that's what you need to activate. To act, that's what you need to have to activate Christ-like consciousness, unconditional love for yourself. All right, for yourself. Upon showing this for yourself, then you can externalize it and reflect it for your brothers and your sisters. Okay, so we're talking about the messiah. The methyl, part of this fat is the anointing. The anointing represents a physiological process that takes place as the awakening of the pioneer body. The pioneer body secretes oils serotonin, melatonin, dimethyltryptamine, and in the pituitary gland, there's colostrum fluid, which is chronicled specifically from a metaphysical basis in uh, in uh, in the story of the Exodus. When they leave, and they said they're entering into the land of milk and honey, the Colossian fluid turns a whitish and a yellowish color as it goes back and forth between the pineal and the pituitary gland. All right? Same thing with the primary reason why Jesus dies at the age of 33. Not only does it represent the 33 vertebrae of the spine, it represents how to awaken the energetic of the car body. The way the, uh, the energetic of the car body is awakened, is awakened specifically by uh, tapping into the 13 different articulations of the body or the 13 different joints of the body. Now, these 13 different joints are comprised with 20 different, um, uh, well, they're comprised with 10 fingers and 10 toes. So when you put your 10 fingers and your 10 toes together, Comprises the 13 other joints of the body that are operated specifically through Qigong, yoga, samatha Egyptian yoga, you get the number 33. That 33 operates in the cortex with the 33 vertebrae in the spine. And before you cross over, it's where you meet the atlas. Okay? So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read to you guys what the 13 um, joints actually are. 13 joints, this is actually, this is also coming specifically from that book, The Nine Eyes of Light. It says, as you open the 13 joints, to synchronize with our physical body and car bodies to the 13 moon cycle. We walk in divine timing for, a thir- uh, for the 13 are a map of your form and flows. Okay? So, these 13 joints operate in accordance for 13 different moon cycles. And And uh, I'm trying to find talks about it. Okay, it says a possible way to invite the ka as a physical form comes through the opening and connection of thirteen joints and articulations of the physical body into the ka body of life. Um, it says the operation of the with the mind to the zolkin calendar, or 13 moon cycle that was originally a wisdom piece of Atlantean civilization. It says that time is synchronized with the galactic center and the waves of energy emanating from it. So, 13 major articulations in the body are your ankles, your knees, your hips, your elbows, your shoulders, and the atlas bone and the neck. Okay? So, the twenty says the 20 digits and the, and the measuring units are the fingers and the toes. So you have the ankles, the knees, the hips, the wrist, the elbows, the shoulders, and the atlas bone in your neck comprised with the 20 fingers and the 20 to, uh, the twenty fingers, or excuse me, the 10 fingers and the 10 toes, which are the systemic oper- operative based um, upon awakening them specifically through Qigong. Tai Chi, uh, meditation, but more so moving-based meditation. It enables you to start activating the particular energies of the Ida and the Pingala, or the Waja and the Tekken, right, the electromagnetic pulsating energy that exists within the base of the spine. And it will travel all the way up the thirty-three vertebrae of the spine, crossing over via the atlas, entering into what is referred to as the third ventricle of the brain operating in accordance and working with the pineal body and the pituitary body and begin the process of emitting these sacred oils. Please go out. Hello? I
3: Check
1: studio. <clears throat> I don't know if this call might have cut. Right, it sure ain't up. Give me one second, family. Alright, did the guard go. Five one six. Please.
2: Please, Lord. I'm back. Indeed. <laughs> Please. Peace.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. So, um, that's pretty, uh, that right there is the basis of awakening the the, the particular template of of Christ consciousness. Now, let me give you the nine eyes in their totality. First eye is called the Kat. It's also called the Yafu. It is the body and the flesh. Now, remember that all of these are interconnected with each other. Kat is spelled K H A T. Afu is spelled A-U-F-U. Lens is called the ka, spelled K-A. It is the etheric double, or also known as the spirit. Okay. The third lens is called.
3: Okay, I'm sorry.
2: The third lens is called the RIN. Now, the RIN, it's called R-E-N. It means name, but the mechanism of what the RIN does, the RIN processes the holographic experience. It works with the four primary languages of universal consciousness, as Baba Phil taught us, which is light, sound, geometry, and number. It is the primary lens that you're going to utilize to access or participate in the physical reality. That is the ring. The next lens that we have is called the shoe. spelled S H E W. And the shoe is the shadow self, called man and his symbols. Also, also, if you study any of Carl Jung's work, he talks in depth about the shadow self. And what the shadow does is that it pertains all of the negative and the malevolent experiences. It's like the director's cut of your life. You know when you watch the edited version? Like I was a good, I was a good person. You know, I help old ladies across the street, you, yeah. know, you understand what I'm saying? All oh, that, that's the, you know, that's the that's shadow self, yeah, your, your shadow self is the, un, that, that, that's the director's cut. Like, nah, I remember when you did this, you understand what I'm saying? I remember when you caught old boy slipping, doing that, you understand what I'm saying? I remember, you, I remember when you let this off, you know what I mean? In the park, you hit, that's what your shadow self is. You know what I mean? It, it lets you know all of the negative stuff that you repress, you know what I mean? It, it brings all of that back to surface. Then you have the ab or the I, which is the heart. And that is centralized specifically in the heart chakra. All right? And it represents the seat of consciousness. The heart is always the seat of intelligence. Your mind is going to be responsible for processing the intelligence of the, intelligence of the heart okay, your brain is going to facilitate that intelligence, and your body is going to demonstrate that intelligence, but it's all always going to be activated through I, through I, which is the heart, okay, so the next one from that is going to be um, the Ba, which is the soul, the soul is the, the traveling emanation of the highest point of view, the highest manifestation called Ku. Cool. And what ba does, ba processes experiences. It knows no right, it knows no wrong. It is connected to the immortal reality. The next lens is called Sekhem, so S-E-K-H-E-M. It is the life force. Okay, it's the giver of life. It is connected to the kundalini as well as the prana energy. The next light or the next lens is called the Sahu. Sahu is also known as the mummy in ancient Kimmy. But according to the nine eyes, it's the immortal body. It's the immortal, the glorious body that compresses all of the other aspects of the nine lenses together, which means that once you leave the physical body and ascend to your highest realm of divinity, the body that you're going to inhabit is the Sahu. Okay. The last lens of the nine eyes is called the Aku, or the Ku. It is the shining soul, the soul that cannot be touched. The Aku is the primordial self. When you say you're a god, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the Aku in you. The one that is limitless, The one that looks at your time in the physical realm as a bliss. As a snap of the fingers. That is the Aku. So, uh, another thing I wanted to make sure I covered with the family. Uh, uh I think kinda, there's something else I really wanted to make sure I covered. Oh yeah, uh, magic, magic. Um, one of the most important things that we're really going to be uh. I want to be able to make sure that we talk about these things that we need to do. Not necessarily magic, but more so actual practice. Um, the way that you can activate and work with um, the nine eyes of light, first and foremost, in this most primal state, prior before magic, and in and, and, and all honesty. I'm, I'm actually speeding. Prior before magic, the most primal force, that you, the most primal tool that you can use to activate the nine eyes is meditation. Meditation. Now, there are a lot of definitions of what meditation is. I was taught, you know, when I really started to get, um, one of the things that I, I was taught specifically by my, by, my, by my father, by my baba, he uh, taught me shit up and down. He was like, um, he said, meditation, magic, um, channeling, interfacing with any deity ancestor is by way of the subconscious mind. He said, when you meditate and you hear voices and you're talking to aspects of universal consciousness, you're talking to your subconscious mind. It is the aspect of your subconscious mind that is communicating to you. So meditation is nothing more than a form of communicating with the subconscious. All right? Your subconscious mind is always going to be your gateway to the spirit world. Always. Same thing when you're performing ceremonial or ritual-based magic. You're embedding things inside of the subconscious psyche, all right? Now, when we're talking about chakras, there are a lot of definitions of of what chakras actually are. From a very, very basic perspective, and from the perspective that I just talked about in regards to how to break out the cycle of life, death, and reincarnation, and all of those different things, chakras are these energetic um, hard drives. Okay, They're etheric and energetic hard drives, and they retain information from the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. From the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. That's what they are. So they spin counterclockwise depending on gender. All right, For men, they spin clockwise. For women, they spin counterclockwise. And I just learned something new um, from Young Farrell a couple of nights ago when he was saying how, like, um, depending on the, the direction of where they spin in the front, they'll spin in the opposite opposite direction according to the back. So that means if you're a man in your shop and spin uh, clockwise in the front, that means out the back they'll be spinning counterclockwise. If you're a woman and if they're spinning counterclockwise at the front, from the back they're going to be spinning clockwise. All right? Now, The way that you will awaken these energetic centers is by meditation, whether it be visualization, transcendental meditation, or harmonic-based meditation, mantra-based meditation. The reason being is because your chakras are connected to the celestial body. All right? Each day, each day, is commemorated by a celestial body every day of the week. Every day of the week correlates to a particular chakra, seven seven primary chakras. In the comedic traditions, there are nine primary chakras. But let's just say seven primary chakras according to what we understand now. Um, Seven chakras, okay, talking about seven chakras here, um, correlated with seven different days. So, Monday correlates to the moon, Tuesday correlates to Mars, Wednesday correlates to Mercury, uh, Thursday correlates to Jupiter, Friday to Venus, Saturday correlates to Saturn, Sunday correlates to the sun. Okay? Now, each of these celestial bodies, you can apply them to uh, the chakra system. Uh, according to the Gnostic traditions, they refer to it as the demiurge. And the Demiurge is ultimately broken up specifically by seven primary archangels. Now, those archangels could be... Those archangels could be Zadakiel, Jophiel, Samuel, Gabriel, uh, Mikael, uh, Raphael, um... Metatron as well. And um, you're ultimately utilizing these particular, uh, if you want to use specifically, from, if you want to utilize them from an angelic perspective, you have to understand that, you have to understand what angels are. As a lot of others specify they say that angels are angles of life. And I would agree, but we have to go in depth in regards to what it is. Everything that we're doing is based on a based influence, whether it be physical or corporeal. So you have family members, entities, uh, celestial beings um, that use the planets as intermediaries to be able to send light and and, uh, codes of information or light codes to you. These light codes, depending on your perception and how you're ultimately registering it, specifically by the uh, the biophotonic field, Determine whether or not it will be perceived as a particular entity or energy. So the angels of light present themselves to you as angels. The word angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which means messenger. That's what it means. It means messenger. Okay? So you're in contact with these celestial beings. Not necessarily celestial beings um, and, and, and the term of the mythology. It's not just one Miguel person in the sky with a sword, waiting for somebody to do something crazy. You're talking about an attribute of universal consciousness that celestial beings can take all the masks on of to communicate to you, or you can raise yourself to the point in your own divinity with that attribute of universal consciousness is a reflection of yourself, It's only a reflection of yourself. Um it's the same thing we're talking about the bodhisattvas in Buddhism. The particular system of Buddhism that I study is called the Vajrayana. And in the Vajrayana they tell you that you have five feminine Buddhas and five masculine Buddhas. And you also have a, a whole host of different bodhisattvas. Um, a lot of people may ask a lot of I've heard people ask me, they say, well, why do you uh why do you uh have a proclivity to uh, look at Buddhism, and they kind of forget the they don't necessarily know the history of the fact of how the ancient Kermites and the people specifically out of northeastern Africa influenced his, uh, their children in these areas of Buddhism. So I'm going to just give you a little bit of uh, a background. From the northeastern uh, range of Africa, and um, from the influence of the Punt and the Pawini, ultimately trading and teaching the particular people from a phenotypical who have a phenotypical traits of the proto Arceloy, right? Who would be the modern who would be the, the modern day Dividian and the ancient Sabaean from uh old day Arabia. They were in southern India and they worship a particular deity by the name of Sambo or Sambu. Okay? Which is the original name for Lord Shippa. And they had a particular system that they uh, created that was, that was now known as, that is now known as pre Vedic Hinduism, or the Dravidian folk religion, and it focused on the worship of eight Naga lords, Vasuki, Padmaka, Sankapala, um, Tashaka, um, a couple other ones that seem to slip my mind right now. Now, these eight Naga lords, um, one of them specifically also uh, is the name of the name of Muchalinda. Muchalinda is a seven headed Naga that protects the crown of the Buddha. Now, before Buddhism came into existence, you had pre Vedic Hinduism or Tantric Hinduism. When the emergence of the Phantasta tribes ultimately came into the areas of northern India within 1700 to 1800 BCE, they took over and they pushed those from northern India into southern India and they created a caste system. When they created the caste system, a new system ultimately emerged called Jainism, because what they did was the Vedics or the Europeans Took the traditions of the proto australoids and created a new religion that revolved around the Vedas. The Vedas in Sanskrit means wisdom or the teachings of wisdom. So they created the Rig Veda and they created these new deities and a system that revolved around how to beat up and subjugate dark skinned people. They had different dots, a white dot, which is a priestly dot, right, which means that only the Europeans had access to the high levels of spiritual information. You had um, the merchant class. You had the warrior class. And then you had the black dot, which is deified for, for the darkest-skinned people, referred to as the dialects. Um, there's a book called Africa Presence of the Early Ages that's edited by Luca Vashidi that contains these Articles from Ivan Vansurda, Rain Chandler, and a whole host of different other people that talks about this in depth. Out of that religion that created Vedic Hinduism, right, because you get the basis of the trimurti and Vedic Hinduism from the emergence of a whole host of different kingdoms out of India. Um, the worship of Shiva comes from a particular Vedas called the Yujur Vedas. And in the use of Shiva or Shiva is, is uh, compared to a particular force of higher consciousness called Isha. All right? And Isha is synonymous with another concept in Hinduism called Atman, which represents the all encompassing divinity. So, Shiva is recognized as that. It is until the emergence of the Gupta kingdom in the third or fourth century common era that they took the traditions of uh, the Ujavedas and uh, this other particular scroll referred to as the Sipataz, the Upanishad, and made the concept of Shiva, also known as Sambu, into an actual deity, into an actual deity in the Vedic tradition. Prior to that, according to the southern Indians, he was known as Sambu, or Sambu, or Chimpu, which means the red one. And the reason why they said they call him the red one is because of the people who passed him the tradition, who were deified as having red skin and kinky hair. The people who um, populate the area of northeastern Africa and the horn of Africa, as well as um, Egypt now, who will be referred to as the Beja or the Beja tribe. These are the people who gave the tradition to these people who we considered to be proto-australoids. Now, when the Vedics took over, they started a new system. The dark-skinned people of India started a new system called Jainism, in which they abolished the gods, all right? And they just created a philosophy of how to transcend the dynamics of life, death, and reincarnation. The concept is called samsara in Buddhism. In Hinduism, it's called moksha. In ancient Kabbalistic traditions, it's called Nahast. It means liberation. Um ask, Aski talks about the concept of Nahast in his book called "The Kabbalistic Tree of Life." All right. Now, from Jainism, they have a worship uh, or they deify the the sages by a title called the Jina, which means the conqueror. If you watch. Um, the Sambo documentary that the Stone Teller, he says the Gina, the Conqueror, the one who comes back from the dead. All right? Now, the Gina, the Conqueror, the one who comes back from the dead becomes the basis of the system of 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 um, forget how you pronounce that, the title, the name of it, but it's a system, of a, it's a spiritual system of India, a spiritual system of India that uh, focuses on completely negating from uh, from life as a whole almost, If uh, you starve yourself, I think it's called the aesthetic, I think that's what it's called, the aesthetic. Now, the ascetics, they wanted to get away from the caste system. And what they did is they started a new tradition called Buddhism. The word Buddha comes from the Sanskrit word bodati. It means one who is awakened. It does not mean one who is enlightened. It means one who is awakened. All right? So the awakened one is the one who wakes up from the dynamics of the physical realm for the the ruling of living in samsara. All right? In samsara, you have this cyclic real of life, death, and reincarnation that according to the Buddhist traditions, persists for at least six different dimensional realities outside of the physical realm. All right? And And the teachings of what we understand to be Buddhism, it showcases that you have the responsibility to transcend these by knowing the nature of yourself, knowing the nature of your mind, knowing the nature of your consciousness. Okay, so one of the things that uh, the Vajrayana is, the Vajrayana is an esoteric system of Buddhism. The Vajrayana is the esoteric system of Buddhism. Um, You have different wheels. The Mahayana wheel, the Hinayana wheel, and then you have the Vajrayana. The Mahayana wheel is the great vehicle. The Hinayana is the small vehicle. The Vajrayana is the esoteric diamond boat way. So both the Hinayana and the Mahayana Specify that it may take time for you to get outside the cycle of life, death, and reincarnation. The Vajrayana teaches you how to get outside the cycle in one incarnation. That's why it's called the diamond bolt or the thunderbolt way. So, according to the Vajrayana, you have five Jhani Buddhas who are attributes of universal consciousness who who, like I said before, in the Kemeti tradition Can't
4: be seen
2: As attributes of yourself Of your higher self Five Diani Buddhas, you have Amitabha If you watch a movie called The Sorcerer and the White Snake You see Jet Li He does the Buddha salute to a Buddha named Amitabha He says, Amitabha He's talking about the Buddha of infinite light That's Amitabha Then you have Aksobiya Okay, who is the uh Who is the Buddha of will. Ranasababa is the Buddha of sensation and feeling. Amagosidi and uh Ranasababa Abitabha Aksubia and I forget what the last one's name is. See if I could get that right for the people there. and varasana, okay? So, renasabhava governs sensations. Amitabha governs perceptions. amokositi governs volitions. Aksopia governs consciousness. and varasana governs forms. Now, you can meditate on them by chanting their particular mantras, and their monsters activate forces within side of you that allows them to project as a form of your higher self. The same way that the Kamites did in their rituals. The same way that the Efes traditions would do at uh, at a bimbe, in which uh, the Ialosa or the uh, the Ialosa or the particular Santero from Santeria, can invoke the uh, the qualities of an Orisha and actually become that Arisha. Now, according to the Buddhist traditions, they have these bodhisattvas that you can visualize as deities of different faculties of your mind and of your, and of your body. So they govern, the, uh, they govern your visual, your auditory, your, uh, your olfactory, uh, your gustatory, your tactile, and your mental consciousness. So these, the Vajrayana priest is so dope that if you have a problem with, hypothetically speaking, being blind, you can visualize your eyes in the form of a deity to begin the process of healing yourself of your blindness. Okay? There's things like that, that this is a system that is an offspring it's the offspring of the civilization of African of African influence at its spiritual zenith. This is the offspring of Kemet. Okay? This is the offspring of Kemet. The same way that the Ephos editions. If you're talking about the Ephos editions, you're talking about the Ileife. Ileife Ife culture that was founded specifically in the fourth century B C E before the common era. This is around the Ptolemaic dynastic period. Okay, where well, you have ancient Kemetic priests that are leaving and fleeing into areas of Western Africa and assimilating their spiritual traditions with the native religion in that area. This is why you can find so many different synonymous correspondences there, such as with Chahuti, and Jehuti and Arumila. All right, Arumila is the deity of knowledge, within the divination. Okay, same thing with Chahuti. Chahuti is uh, the nature uh, the, the of wisdom in the chair of speech, an articulate speech, and magic, okay? In the Ephah traditions, the Rumila is so powerful, they call him Ephah. They call him Ephah. He does the bidding for all the other different Orishas. You know what I mean? Nobody goes through nothing. You don't do shit if you don't get oh, Rumi Rumila, okay. Ten people with the Dilogun uh, reading, so on and so forth. So what we're talking about is not about worshiping deities. We're talking about actualizing the potentiality of these deities as representations of us from within. actualize them, we completely begin the process of transforming ourselves. First, by cleansing the energetic body through meditation, spiritual practices such as yoga, also interfacing with the ancestral links such as through ancestral veneration, altar setups, as well as altars dedicated to attributes of universal consciousness. That will enable us to put. That will enable us to speak to these different emanations of great minds as a reflection of us. Okay. Primary example. Um, I had a dream where I had in the chair. So Beck visited me in my dreams, and um, I'm not gonna lie. I love So because you know I had the opportunity to talk to him, but um, he wasn't like visually beautiful to me. <laughs> it was like an alligator. He had like an alligator's face. And the the body of a human. And I was so taken back, I was like, Who the fuck I was like, Who is this ugly motherfucker? Those are my exact words. When I seen him in the astral, I was like, Who the fuck is this ugly ass nigga? Right
0: <laughs>
2: so, so
0: Reptilian <laughs> scary like,
2: ass You said what?
0: Reptilian scaly ass look. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a fact, Lord. I was like, Who the fuck is this ugly nigga? So <laughs> he was like, you know, he started talking to me. And he started talking to me, um, like very benevolently, very much in love. Like like a like a nigga that I just met at a family reunion, like a family member, type shit. You understand Adams? the shit had, the shit was blowing my mind. Then a Dogon priest hit me up a couple days later. Yeah, I mean- He said, what, brother?
1: Like the big big homie, like the OG?
2: Yeah, that's a fact. You understand what I'm saying? And he was just like, and then a a Dogon priest hit me up a couple days ago. Not not a couple days ago, like the day afterwards. He said, man, so Beck, he said, so Beck came to me. I said, word? He said, yeah, man. He said, your ancestors built the first shrine to him. I said, okay, that's what it was. Now, mind you, a good friend of mine from New Orleans came to me and brought me a face. Um, he brought me a face of an alligator, like an alligator statue. And I said, yo, man, thank you. He said, he said I just wanted to give it to you. Someone could tell me to give it to you. I said, thank you. And I was like, I'm going to put it on my altar. And this was months before I had the experience with Sobeck. Now, keep this, though. I had put back on my altar, and I had gotten to a level of awakening in which I wasn't communicating with any attribute of great consciousness as an entity outside of myself. And I had made that agreement with the attributes. I had made that agreement with the, uh, with the ancestral deities. Because um, you have ancestors who, like I said before, um, upon uh, graduating, they become the mantle of that particular god of their link. So you have a class of Sobeks. You have a class of Hebrews a class of atunri, a class of shangos, of arumilas, and your ancestral lineage. So I made the agreement with my ancestors that I wasn't communicating with any ancestors that were holding that mantle. I was going to communicate with the source constantly. So the first thing I did when I put it on my altar was I said, I said, first and foremost, you don't control me. I
4: control you.
2: Speak to me as an emanation of myself. Period. So when I put it on the altar and when I would go into meditation, I would see the form of sobek come directly to me. And before it would say anything, it would say, can I speak? It would never just open its mouth and start talking. It would say, can I speak? Can I say something? So that let me know about how to start actually working with these elements Working with them as elements. Like I said before, elements simply means God's mind. You're talking to attributes of great mind, Okay? And that's what we got to understand. Not only, like, we don't worship God on this side. We're accessing elements here. Okay? And the moment that we start interfacing with it from that perspective, if we start, uh, if we start understanding ourselves, we can actualize our immortality. But first, it has to be under the illusion of us healing ourselves because we came here. We came here to be these ratchet, wretched, fucked up people that we are. We were in previous incarnations saying you're going to be my piece of shit father, this incarnation. You're going to be my molester uncle. You're going to be my fucking, my whole ass girlfriend. You're going to be (laughs) all of that shit to teach me these lessons of how to cultivate my soul. Okay.
1: And that's hard. Go.
3: Yeah. Yeah You
1: give it, like, <clears throat> You know how Star Wars had like 8 parts? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Not just the trilogy yeah. But like yeah. Had eight parts Like they took us all the way to the future Then they came back and Gave us the prequel Then yeah. the sequel yeah. <laughs> Yes uh, Like yeah. <laughs>
3: you,
1: you rewriting the narrative of Time and Space But you know um, In the same vein of what I attempt to do with the of 44 Showing a thread That binds all things You know what I'm saying There's there's no mm-hmm. separation All things are connected And when you find the through way It's so beautiful Because it, it's poetry yeah. You know what I'm saying And the story that you're sharing with us Is very poetic And it's licensed You know what I'm saying and In a way that It makes sense You know what I mean It ties. I can see it all Right You know what I mean
2: Thank you, Lord. But we we problem. do got have like
1: yeah, we do got like 13 more minutes
4: mm-hmm.
1: of the program. I don't know if you want to utilize any of that time going in into the callers or yes, I you want you want to continue.
2: I would love to speak to some of the callers. I think that uh I yeah. we kind of got the basis of everything. I cover everything I w- I really wanted to dis- uh, disseminate to the family on self divinity
1: so if you have any questions, I'm definitely open to that, Big Bro. That's a fact. Right. Um, I think that a lot of my commentary along the way of you building would, would be, like, reserved for my questions, per se. Okay. You know, so I'm saying you, you answered a lot of the questions that I did have. Uh, And this is an episode that I already got – I have – Six pages of notes Mm. Okay Mm. Six pages Mm. Front and back Full (laughs) So You know I gotta go back (laughs) And 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 do the knowledge Like Like I said it's, It's It's the whole series Not just the I just the trilogy. Yeah,
2: that's a fact. Definitely. Definitely. I um,
1: But one of the things that I, I was very much interested in what you what you were saying when you was talking about the initiation initiation systems now being defunct, you know, mm-hmm. because the process has somewhat finalized itself, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And those that have returned in essence have someone o- already been initiated? Because you can see it through the babies, through the children. Right. Right. You feel me? That if 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 you had a station for them to take, they would gladly take that station. You know what I'm saying? Right. If, if if you had a hierarchical system, if you had a throne for them to sit on, they would prepare themselves because they are definitely coming prepared with memory intact. You can go on YouTube and look at, you know, blast the, the the amount of child prodigies for, you know, it would be like a um, one-in-a-lifetime situation where you see a little four- or five-year-old play the piano and shit. They had that on a Wrigley's Believe It or Not and all that. You know?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But now yeah. these things are all in place. You know what I'm saying? They're exactly. already coming back Intact, and then they have they have an ancestral knowledge and wisdom, and then they have an eye, you know that nine eye, which you're talking about. They show the possibility for the potentiality of the the, or should I say, the potentiality of the probability or the possibility of reaching that nine, because they are advanced into the future, you could see by the interfacing with technology, they are already retrofitted for a future shadow that they're walking into and living up to. That process is already under motion. If they have the ability to attain uh, uh, virtual excellence, you know what I'm saying, they're going to have right. another uh, Mark Zuckerberg at the age of 13 or 14, right. you know right. what I mean? Right. Then it 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 speaks to, you know, the possibility or the probability of, um, you know, one coming already awoken, the Buddha child, the Buddha fox and the the Buddha monks in the trunk, turn the base yeah. up, you know, like <laughs> yeah, all that, you know, yeah, it's definitely, you know
2: what I mean? It's like it's like you can see it because it's so, like. Yeah, it's, it's like it's winding up, you know. I, I I would
1: love to hear yeah some commentary from the brother the brother Red Pill. Um, he's been sharing with me the research that he's been doing that ties you know who we consider the modern day European directly mm-hmm. back to his Indo Euro beginnings, you know, his interaction and interfacing. With these particular systems That's how he got the game You know what I mean And hence here we are
3: Mm -hmm.
1: You know So yeah Brother Red is there Mm -hmm. Oh Red is there Yeah
0: He was a second ago I
1: don't know He was a second ago He's going to call right back in But he, he is there Yeah, He's been with us Yes, please continue. Hello.
2: Yeah, the phone was breaking up. I couldn't hear the last thing you said,
1: Lord. Oh, I said, yeah, he he's been with us, and he's calling in right now. He's calling back in, but please continue. Yeah, peace, Lord. Yeah.
2: Peace, Lord. Peace, you there?
1: Okay, my bad.
2: That's so good. I, before I just want to go any further, I just want to thank, you know, thank you, brothers, for allowing me this platform to be able to do it on this particular platform. I was originally just going to do this on the teleconference. And um, I happened to see Red in Harlem, and I was like, I went to go see Sa. Right. And, um, you know, we ended up talking about it. He was like, we was kind of going back and forth on this. So I was like, let me just, uh I, you know, I'm really grateful. So, Um, Before we go any further, anybody who wants to contact me, you can contact me directly at ironbuddhworkshop at gmail.com, which is I-O-R-N-D-U-D-D-H-workshop at gmail.com. The next cycle of the workshop that I teach, workshop, we're starting at in August, but registration is already open and people are definitely making slots. So contact me if you are interested in getting down.
3: Um,
2: And... Uh, definitely check out my album at cityhampton.bandcamp.com. I apologize for the shameless promotion, <laughs> but you know, nah, check
3: nah. out
2: my that music.
1: Is. Nah, you know what I
0: mean?
1: If you're going off the um, you know, the top of the popsicle like this, with I got six pages of motherfucking notes, man, yeah, they need to hear your flow. Like, uh, what does the album sound like?
3: <laughs> that, <laughs>
1: His old album One song, like. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, man. Right, right now he's working on a new joint. Right now, you understand what I'm saying? So I just was taking my time, cause I just want things to be very. I am going to be right this time. You understand what I'm saying? So. I wow. I'm I can
3: imagine. Saying. Yeah. Yes,
2: yeah, man. Between that and working on a new album, you can check out the Traveler Mind at CityHampton. Dot Bandcamp. Dot com.
1: Yeah, man. Ross has uh-huh. got gotta look out for you. You might have a nature of the threat part two. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like they should have credited my shit. Yeah. Yo, they should have credit my shit. My my shit was really um interview with the vampire. Ugh. Remember that joint? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Interview with yeah. the
2: vampire was crazy. That shit was crazy. crazy. Like, yeah, that's like a, it's like I think that song was like almost like seven minutes long, like. That shit is amazing. It's an amazing song. He kind of, like, chronicle everything. You know what I mean? Yo, I yeah. I haven't heard rock talk in a while. Like, he's, like, that's, like, one of my biggest influences as an MC. For
1: real. I I got a chance, I had an opportunity to interview the guard Epic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and we will be, um, I will be doing a follow-up at some point. I'm going to put that into the atmosphere because I know it's going to materialize. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's the guard right there. Feel me? Yeah,
2: man. Lost the hill man. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah so Rad, you with us. You can hear me? Yeah. I was I was telling the young guy how you was running down to me. Your research, you know, About the led you, of you to uh, mm-hmm. the end of Europeans and all of that. You know what I mean? So well, what are your thoughts on what you, you heard this evening? Yeah, well, you know <clears throat> what basically uh you know, just reignited my interest in the uh, Indo-Europeans and what they did in the Indus Kush Valley, to be honest with you, was um, coming across or revisiting Ancient Future by Wayne Chandler and um, also a book that a sister wrote by the name of um, Medieval, Evil. It's dealing with the European from the medieval place, uh sister Shashat, shisha Sekmet i believe uh brother aunt from the army Ra squad actually had the book at one of uh at the debate with Harry Rosenberg and I purchased it and I've been digging into the book she basically just gives you a a complete rundown of the european cultural um from a cultural perspective a social uh um uh, a sociopathic prese- uh pre- Perspective, perspective from their right. yeah, from their medieval you know, from their medieval um era. Like the better right. like, like City like when City Hampton was breaking down these European eras, uh the Byzantine era, the Byzantine Empire era, uh the Roman era, um the Gothic era, you know, when the Germanic when the Germanic tribes were running running things. And Right after that, the History Channel Came out with Barbarians Rising Okay So what's very important About that series or that documentary Series that they put forth You know, is the distinction Between the tribes that um, Rose to power In Europe, and they, they basically In so many ways, in the documentary Try to show it to you But as we all know, you gotta get into the books Into hidden literature You know, just gotta dig a little deeper Like somebody was explaining to me today, it's, you know, it's when you dig deeper, that's where the jewels are found. Me and you were in a mine, if we were mining for gold, you know, the deeper that you dig, you hit gold. Or when, if somebody tells you that the land is oil rich, you have to dig deep, right? Right. If you're with your lady, you got to dig deep, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So it's really about going in, going into the deepest of depths, you know what I mean, and being able to bring back the jewels, bring back the treasures. As the brother is um, clearly displaying, he's been digging deep. He's been going within. He's been going in, you know, going in. Um, sometimes we get access to the information on the surface. You know, we may watch one of our favorite YouTube vi- YouTubers or YouTube videos and they're touching on the subject, and they, be, they may be going deep. But as the um for the people for the students that are out there. Yeah. So, yeah. Students that are out there, go deeper, go dig deeper, use your tools, you know, um and just go in, go in on the subject and you'll be surprised where it's gonna take you. So I'm really interested in going further into the into the topic of, you know, the um the rise of the Indo European what their culture represents, what the Aryan culture represents, how it became dominant across, um, you know, places where our civilizations were thriving. And when I studied it, you know, not to just make it real simple, but when you see a lot of the things that are taking place right now, you know what I mean? A lot of the topics that we're um, tackling, such as the molestation, such as deviant behavior, or irresponsible sexual behaviors, such as, um, you know, this whole thing that's taking place with the rise of fascism and whatnot, these are all traits. Like, it feels like I found the, the, you know what I mean? You know, when you find the source of something, or when you find um, that that the glove, you know what I'm saying, or the ground zero, Mm -hmm. that is really, you know, and by examining the culture, it brought me into examining the quote-unquote Indian culture, um i have a deeper understanding of you know their sociopathic uh mind state their um aryan uh, i would say they are definitely um their their influence their aryan influence mentality that takes place over there and the way that it's spread across the the whole diaspora you know what i'm saying the caste system, the caste system within the caste system, the caste system within the caste system within the caste system. You know, the whole mulatto, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of things are really surfacing as I'm digging deeper. So, you know, when it comes to the information that you have, brother, the best thing that I could do both for my journey and, you know, for for the people who I'm sharing my information is, is just to become a part of that class. I could sit at the feet, you know what I mean, and soak things up and, you know, just further the research, you know, because I want to present it to the people. I really want to do a real, like a hidden colors type of presentation. I'm not really satisfied with the level of two-hour, three-hour lectures and the limits that those hold to them. I'm not even satisfied with three-hour documentaries at this point because of the age that we live in and the technology that's available in the plethora of information. Like we gotta we gotta put these pieces in the puzzle back together. We have to there's a whole bunch of blanks that need to be um filled in. You know, I need to see my master teachers with jet propulsion uh backpacks on. And they, they need to go all the way up when I see them on film. Right. Definitely so touch a little bit more on the Anglo-Saxon and the, uh, you know, what took place over there when when the um, Indus Kush Valley was uh, or the Indus Kush civilization was usurped by the Indo-European, and sure. who would the Indo-Europeans be today?
2: Absolutely, I was covering it, um, some uh, some of it and a little bit earlier. We were talking about. Um, specifically the basis of the, pre, of, of the Harapan and the Maharaj-Indaro culture. Um, the interesting thing about the Mohara indaro culture and the Harapan civilization is that it was in its peak between 2800 BCE and 1700 BCE. And around that time is when you get a particular culture from Eurasia or Indo-European culture or tribe called the Sintasta tribe, so S I N T A S H T A Santasta tribe in those areas in northern India um they had a, a certain um culture that uh, was a predecessor called the uh, the Androm the uh, the Andromovo culture or the Andrum Ovo tribe and that particular tribe was the predecessor to the Santasta Now, um, if you ever Google the statistics and look at the phenotypes, they look like um, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, not necessarily uh, anything in regards to the phenotypical traits of a a brunette or any type of melanated kind of appearance appearance at all. They're all blonde-haired, blue-eyed. If you look at the bust of them in regards to a statuette, that's what you would see. Now, they kind of started... to the process of really, really taking things over from, uh, the 1800s, uh, the 1800s, um, on 1800 BCE before the common era. And what they did is that they were able to start impressing and pushing down people, uh, uh pushing out the darker-skinned people who was in the areas of Northern India, and pushing them back into Southern India. And, um, but Before they was actually doing that, what they was able to do is they was able to take their their actual spiritual tradition. Um, the basis of the spiritual traditions from those people who were in the Harapan focus on these uh, pre-vedic Hindu based traditions in which they worshiped uh, elements of the air, elements of fire, um, uh, the sky, so on and so forth. There's another person, there's another teacher. Um, by the name of uh, Doctor Vilu. I think his name is I think his name is Vilu Emelu. It's spelled V E L U A M E L U. I'm not I could be mistaken, but he talks about that as well regardless uh, of the of the Harappan civilization being usurped specifically by these Europeans. Now, the thing about it is that you had so many different cultures that was before that. You know, you got um. In my notes, I actually wrote the cultures down. I actually wrote the the actual pre-Indo-European uh, tribes down. I got them here. If we just go ahead and give them to you guys, and you guys could definitely start looking them uh, looking them up too. So proto-Indo-European tribes that ultimately influx into the area of um the Indus Kush is what is called the potta the Pota, the Pota, uh, the tribe spelled P O L T A V K A. Alright, now in my notes I wrote down it says, uh they operated specifically for twenty seven hundred to twenty one uh to twenty one uh twenty one hundred B C E and they were in early to middle bronze age uh archaeological culture it had a uh, middle to early bronze archaeological center um, located specifically north of present uh uh Kazakhstan along the uh Samara river and the Yamna culture this isn't this is these are these are the direct um uh tribes that operated in interiority to the Sintasta, the Yamna. And the Yamna was around, um, specifically around an area that is referred to as the, uh, the Pontic Steep. And um, they operated specifically from about 3600 B.C. to 2100 B.C. And the Yamna are the ones who interface with proto indo um, with proto-Indian uh, uh, with, with people. And the interesting thing about them is the fact that they were a pit grave culture, meaning that they buried um, all of their uh, ancestors in these pit graves, and they buried their animals. You know, they traveled specifically on horses. So they buried their, uh, their horses in these deep, deep pit graves. Um, so you have these different tribes from the the, uh, the Potavaca, um, tribe, the Yamna spelled Y-A-M-M-A tribe, the Sintasta tribe which is S-I-N-T-A-S H-T-A tribe, alright uh, let me spell that one more time S-I-N T-A-S-H-T-A tribe the other one is called the Andronovo tribe spelled A-N D-R-O-N O-V-O Tribe. Now these are the cultures or the three primary tribes that really started impressing directly into the areas of what we consider to be um indo not necessarily indo uh well, just India period. We we're talking about they were the ones who really took over the basis of the um of the uh of the Harapan and the Mohar Jandaro culture. And they all came from this place called uh, the Pontic-Caspian Steep, or the Pontic-Caspian Steppe, which is this vast uh, land stretching from the northern shores of the Black Sea um, all the way up into the Caspian Sea, okay? from I expanded all the way across western Ukraine. Coming from that particular area, and started pressing into the areas of India, um, really just trying to find supposedly I guess a better way to live and get away from the harsh environment and looking for food. Um for also from my from my research they said I phenotypically that, that these Europeans were bigger than the than the proto people who was in those particular areas. So um they were able to use violence as a way to be able to uh, effectively subjugate them to um to uh, to a lot of violence, a lot of um pain. Um, and Through subjugation in regards to the spiritual systems, Vilu and Milu says that they actually entered specifically on horse, which kind of operates in the cordis with the uh, the Sintasta and the Yamna who was using who was using horses in their pick graves. He said they entered in on horses. And was using that specifically during the process of battle. So what we do know is that the darker skin people, some of the darker skin people, returned back to the south. Um, some of them ultimately crossed over into the island That is referred to as Sri Lanka That's where you find a lot of the Naga mythology The basis of the Naga mythology now Is found in southern India Where you have the Javidians A tribe also called the Malavans uh, The Trust, Trus, um, And another tribe Called Well a modern day um, A modern day uh, uh, I, I don't want to say tribe But Cultural, cultural Identity in southern India, it's called the Tamil. And if you're familiar with the, the singer M.I.A., she has a song called Tamil Tigers. You know, she comes from the Tamil. That's her cultural identity. They're centralized specifically in areas of, 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 of southern India as well as Sri Lanka. And those are the ones who kept the basis of the Naga-based mythology that they got directly from the plant, the pawini and also other inhabitants of the areas of, of the Horn of Africa which is that peninsula that persisted for about 770,000 miles long, one of these four property countries. And they were able to take the mythology that they got from these people along this peninsula as well as areas of Kemet into areas of southern India and preserve it um, and call it their folk religion. Um, but it also later on it became the basis of the Indo-Aryan culture. And we, uh, we kind of want to be careful with calling these crackers Aryans because the word Aryan means noble. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So, we just call them Indo crackers. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> European. That's pretty much how I, you know what I refer to them. At.
1: Is um, is if my memory serves me correct, I believe they have a version of the Black Panthers yeah, out there definitely. now. The Tom Mills.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: They've adopted the whole Tupac, because um, <clears throat> you know there's like globally, they have this Tupac uh, veneration that takes That's place. Definitely. And they align it with the Bloods and the Crips, and then they align it with the Black Panthers and things. You know, they, it's like a... Family, I don't want to be... A, I don't mm-hmm. want to be the party crashing here. Right? Unless you got internet. You got internet on your side? When you in? Yeah. Okay. So you might want to um pick up the feed. Like, if you want to go take callers... Any callers oh, on the line no, that have you mean, any questions, do I, comments? No, you mean, do I have a mind control of the board? Yeah. Hello. In the studio. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got our own. You know, I think we definitely gave them with. We left them with a, a placora. You know what I'm saying? Definitely a mm-hmm. a a road to tread down the beginning, you know, passageway to a mountain that they're gonna have to hike up. Like I said, bro, I got six pages of notes. And I got to go back in the archive. Show me. And another another thing, uh, Hamp Brother City. If you want to make that announcement about the uh, <clears throat> ayahuasca getaway,
2: yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All those who are listening, we do have an ayahuasca tree that the brother Red Pill is definitely headlining. And I'm assisting in regards to being able to, you know what I mean, help out. Um, if any brothers or sisters are really interested in taking some ayahuasca, well, first and foremost, the background of ayahuasca. I had a sister, a very close cool sister, from, actually from Sri Lanka, that took the uh, the medicine. She said that it was by far one of the most liberating experiences of her life. Um, what right. ayahuasca ultimately does, it blocks out, it blocks out the uh, basis of the conscious mind, and it ultimately begins to um, interface with you under the consciousness of the planet. So, Therefore the entire planet the entire planet of the the entire planet, of the, con, uh, so it, the, the entire consciousness, consciousness of
1: the planet, of the planet right.
2: It interface in which you directly via into your subconscious psyche. So um, wow. yeah, there's been a lot of revelations that people have came to via ayahuasca, uh, such as um, there's been stories of people who have interfaced with their ancestors, who have settled ancestral debt um, issues and problems with their ancestors. Uh, my close friend right. said that she had the opportunity to be able to um, communicate with the different attributes of universal consciousness that um, that really uh, was uh, embedded inside of her own DNA. She said in her own particular experiences, she seen herself as Aset, as Heru, as Vishnu. She said she seen all these different attributes and it was all given her divine wisdom. And what they were all doing was, was speak to her as a reflection of herself. So um, ayahuasca is considered to be the mother medicine. You have a father medicine, but if I'm not mistaken, I think ayahuasca is the mother medicine. And um, it is suggested that you fast and abstain from food and sex for at least, if I'm not mistaken, 24 hours before you even engage into it. Okay? But if you, if you know for a fact that you're dealing with intense psychological tra- uh, trauma, psychospiritual trauma, um, all of those different things, you should definitely, definitely come to the retreat. You can inbox me. I'm on Facebook, Facebook, um, City Hampton, C-I-T-I Hampton. Uh, also, uh, my Facebook name is Salah Muata. for spelled S-A-L-A-H-M-U-A-T-A, Muata. Um, you can email me at Workshop at gmail.com. Or you can contact the good brother, Brett uh, Pill, uh, on Facebook. Um, hit him up, and we can definitely get it going. And it's for a reasonable, reasonable price. Uh ayahuasca retreats lose your costs if I'm not mistaken, like seven hundred, six hundred and fifty dollars 650 sometimes, sometimes they run up into a grip more, you know what I mean? So uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they're requiring it, if I'm not mistaken, the $200 donation. So definitely, man, hit us up. And if you were looking to definitely participate in this process of and that's exactly what it is. It's a tool to activate interalchemy. You should definitely get down for ayahuasca retreat.
1: Yes, we are going to make sure that <clears throat> that door times a year the ledge, we definitely want to deal with transformation. We want to deal with applied not, you know what I'm saying? We don't, you know, a lot of us are uh, yearning to, um, to undertake on this path of everything. You know, you know, we gonna hold hands and go in and take this to another level where it needs to go. And I really feel like the level of information and light like this brother is shedding and, and bringing and emanating, and um, along with other young scholars, shout out to KT, to degree. You know, um, there, there, uh, this new school of, of scholars and teachers, and um, you know students, master students, you know what I'm saying as well. It's just it's, it's it's something that the conscious community needs. Um I mean there's millions of people that are out there, brother, new students up, you know, about a year. It's a lot of new people, I'm telling you. So they require a lot of attention. There are a lot of uh students who've been under underserved over the years. They've been getting the same plate, you know what I mean? And Very some people true. went from seven seven course mills to um, you know, some white castle shit. You know what I mean? Like to the to motherfucking to the bacon, uh, uh, the 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 fucking the the pizza with the bacon racks and all of that. You know.
3: <laughs>
1: so they want say they want some more food now. They want they want some more. They want some Ethiopian plates, and some platters and whatnot. They want some, you know, some Toscany's raw reality. You feel me? Some jackalova and all of that. They need some raw food. So salute to all of the teachers, salute to young Pharaoh, you know what I mean? Salute to everybody that's um, just tipping the scales and and daring to be different and going outside of the box or outside of the norm and, you know, keeping the legacy of the teachers who came before them alive. Salute, like the brother said earlier, uh, double play on his sojourn you know, on his on his path. Salute Baba Phil Valentine. We will be in LA fourth of July weekend family with Baba Phil Valentine at the Return Arts Part two. Uh definitely shout out Bobby Hemmett, the Baba Bobby Hemmett, a thousand gun salute cannons yeah. and all kind of things. You know. And um let's just keep this torch lit. You know what I mean? Let's let's stay Let's, let's keep this information flowing. So, yeah. That's all I got to say.
2: I appreciate y'all, man. And I, I, I genuinely love y'all for inviting me on this platform. And I look forward to the opportunity to be able to build with y'all. I mean, like, man, you know, I told you, like, the first time we spoke on the phone, I was like, y'all, you and Blue were like, you Y'all like rock stars Phil <laughs> Y'all like rock stars you know, I'm saying? you know what I'm saying To like a young To a young dude Like me you know I mean that's
1: That's Yeah I appreciate that That's humbling
2: Yeah, You man. know yeah.
1: And, I, and
2: I, I, it, With regards to watching y'all And paying attention to y'all Like That's a fact man You know what I mean Because you guys put The groundwork down And what is referred to As metaphysical Underground As, a, as Bob I Phil, You know was talked about You understand what I'm saying like Baba Phil, um, Baba Bobby Himmitt, Elbert Blair, uh, Panic, you understand what I'm saying? You guys panic, yeah. You know
1: I mean? I they Panic. very, very,
2: very, very instrumental in helping young brothers um like myself and sisters like and sisters, like my sisters, um, demystify the concept of um of ancient spirituality and ancient magical practices and spiritual practices. So I think I was telling you when I was when I was with you uh, on Saturday I uh, was Shaanetta that I think now is the time to re- demystify the process. You know what I mean? Like the next generation of teachers need to just need to start demystifying the process of how to mm-hmm. set up an altar, how to actually conduct a ritual, how, the basis of, of spell casting, casting circles, uh, speaking to channeling ancestors, the, the, the process of opening up chakras. All of that different stuff now that's 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 the generation where we're at now, to mystifying the actual prospect.
1: But like Blue said earlier, shout out to before I even go for it, shout out to I the Duke of Tears.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: You know what I'm saying? Gotta pay the brother homage. Shout out to Oba, brother Oba. Shout out to Terrain Hicks with the Royal Bloodline. Right. You know what I mean? Like
3: <clears throat>
1: these Yeah, like, you know, shout out to Cheyenne, the liberator and um El Amir and their network you know like i was saying this in a video the other day and this shit is really like i'm i'm really i'm realizing like this is trap conscious we're in the fucking realm of trap consciousness <laughs> Shout out to Gucci man and his clones, man, whoever the fuck, Roderick, whoever the fuck is going running around on Snapchat. Like this is trap consciousness. The same way that the trap God is whole. Like we have to come to the conclusion that if we do the, if we want, if we rewind the tape, if we're honest with ourselves and we rewind the tape and go back, two thousand six five four three two one, right. you know. And, and and like, don't take red pills. word for it, because somebody might feel like I'm in my feelings or something. Or I don't know. They just may feel like I'm. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's create a software for that, or or something for that matter, a, a barometer test. You know, play the information. You know, there's there's like ways to there's meters and shit that could, could you know there's ways that you could read the information. And the the level of information that was coming to us, the light cold transmissions, and then compare it to about, you can snatch 20 videos off of YouTube and line them up. And you will come to the conclusion that I've come to that this community and the level of information, it's been dumbed down to an extent. But on the flip side of it, going back to what I said earlier, how do you feed Millions of new students that are bum rushing the gate. They're not coming in like you know orderly. Uh, you know they're coming in kicking. They kicking YouTube doors down, and they want their information. They, I want my MTV. Like they want their information right now. They want you to break shit down and give it to them. They want their hidden colors one to one hundred. So it's almost like you got to rewind your consciousness in order to feed. Somebody who just came like the niggas just running up on me on the IRT on the train in the streets, you know, they just got off the block. But they're addicted to consciousness. this shit is in their veins. It's like, you know, they're 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 this is what's feeding them. So you know, it's like you could say that it's dumbed down, but salute to everybody who took time out you know, may have even curved their scholarship in order to deal with brothers and sisters from the level where they were at and then walk with them and was patient with them and, you know, decided to get into certain narratives that they can understand but was, was was uh, you know, put the information. they They were able to juxtapose high-level consciousness into mundane issues or mundane narratives and mix it up. You know, like you were saying earlier, being alchemists,
4: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because we're in the quickening definitely right family. now. Yes, indeed. Uh, mm-hmm. This was is, is another epic monumental presentation. Like I said, it's, it's an instant rewind classic. You feel me? And we're definitely going to do this again. You know what I'm saying? We yes. To follow. Yes, indeed. We definitely, definitely. will.
2: Would, you, uh, family, would y'all mind if I give out my information one more time to be contacted?
1: Please do, please do, absolutely, family.
2: Thank you, family. I appreciate it. Um, the next cycle will a workshop. Uh, it's called the Iron Buddha Workshop. Um, it's an online intensive four week course. We cover meditation, holistic psychology, um, altar magic, ceremonial magic, ritual magic, bath magic. Um, we cover the energetic body. We cover the nine eyes of light. Uh, contact me at ironbuddoworkshop at gmail.com. I-R-O-N workshop at gmail.com. Check out the album cityhampton.bandcamp.com. The name of the album is called The Traveling Mind of City Hampton. Okay? Uh, Check me out on YouTube. Uh, Type in the name City Hampton. Uh, Just Google me, City Hampton, C-I-T-I Hampton. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm anywhere that you could possibly find me. Uh, check out the workshop. Like I said before, stocks uh, are already filling up. Definitely want to get into the workshop. Um, currently working on the uh, on the lecture, which is going to be uh, the sacred with the uh, the sacred uh, wisdom of the Nagas, um, the proto Ethiopian origins, the Hinduism, of Buddhism, uh, which is really like pretty much more so like a a, a part two to this. So um, we definitely, I definitely want to say I love you. I appreciate all those who are listening. I appreciate the big brothers red and blue for the opportunity and I love them. I give promise to them and their links to their families and their ancestors. And all of the teachers that massively did what I am doing now before me and my ancestral link has allowed me to be able to add a contribution to take it further. So I give homage to all of y'all and I appreciate y'all.
4: Great.
3: Peace, God. Peace, Lord. Peace. Peace.